I need to know everything Who in the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But I like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche There's five and a horse, I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost I need to know everything Hello and welcome to JK Plus One I'm your host, Jonathan Kinchin I am not PTF I am not uh, in the Brooklyn bunker Neither is PTF In fact, I'm at the, uh, what, is, what does he say? At the uh, I'm in the shadow of the Spring Street Deli, right down the street from uh, Spring Street Deli, where I order the uh, sea biscuit. It feels like at least twice a week, blackened chicken or something with uh, bacon. Anyways, uh, well, I missed you guys. I hope you missed me. I've been uh, just getting set up here. I don't know, I think. Or maybe I was just trying to take in Saratoga for a couple of weeks. I don't know what it was, but we're here. We're back. And we're back. Uh, we're back with a vengeance, I would say. Uh, very excited about our guest today. Um, what else is going on? Subscribe, all those new things. Hopefully you saw the new logo. Um, subscribe to the individual feed as well. So the the master feed um, with all the in the money stuff and then also the, uh, the, uh, uh, the individual feed as well, if you don't mind. Um, Apple Podcasts, usually the easiest way to do that. Uh, what else is going on? A big week ahead. Travers week is coming up. So uh, that should be fun. I'm not, you know, this it's Wednesday morning. I'm going to release this uh, here soon. So you should catch this before uh, the Fox shows today. But around 2.40 Eastern is going to be the, the debut on the Fox show of Cart Talk this week. I did Cart Talk with Angel Cordero. So I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure it's, uh, if it's got Angel in it, I'm sure it's pretty interesting. So hopefully uh, you'll be able to check that out. We'll be on Big Fox on Saturday for the Travers. We've got the test coming up. Uh, going to be a lot of fun. The ballerina, Serengeti Empress is in there. It's a grade one, so hold your breath. Uh, Tom Amos, I'm sorry, but we'll not be rooting for you this weekend. And uh, yeah, so uh, Saratoga's been good so far. It rained like crazy yesterday, but looks like it's going to be beautiful for the rest of the week. So without uh, any more further ado, we uh, speaking of the Travers, a horse I'm excited about seeing run, Uncle Chuck. Um, he's trained by a guy that has had some success in this game uh, out on the West Coast. Um, and uh, most of you probably are familiar with him. He's won a couple Triple Crowns. He's won some Breeders' Cup races, a handful of derbies. And uh, I'm very honored and privileged to have uh, my friend, Bob Baffert. I'm just down here at Del Mar, just chilling on a Tuesday afternoon, just relaxing, just waiting uh for the big draws this weekend. You said right before we got on that the, uh, that the horses have arrived in Saratoga. Who all did you ship out here? Obviously uncle Chuck, who, who else came along? Oh, that little Philly named Gamine. She's running the test. <laughs> little Philly that, that performance was, um, I know you've been around some really good horses, but I when I mean I, I thought she was going to win that race, but I had no idea that she was going to do that. I didn't I didn't know she was going to do that either. <laughs> I knew she, I knew she was looking good and was working well, and you know she's a kind of filly uh, that if you watch her work in the morning, she'll she'll work. You know she she works nice, does everything you need, but until you put her in the gate. She is totally different. And see, that's when she really just turns it on. And um, that's why every once in a while I'd give her gate work just to make sure, I, I, just to make sure, I think she's 
doing well. And then she reminds me of why she is so good. And um, so we're, uh, you know, I'm, I'm backing her up a little bit here to only because I, I didn't want to run her in the CC Oaks uh, because I, I thought it was a little bit soon, quick for her and a shipper. And, uh, and I wanted to run in the Kentucky Oaks. So I just thought I'll just give her that seven eights and then I can, you know, she's already stretched out at Oaklawn. So she, she has that two turn experience. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, obviously it's more than a work, but I mean, cause I think that, you know, most, most, new age trainers would have a problem with that move of running that one turn mile and that grade one, the acorn then cutting back to seven and then stretching back out to the mile and an eighth, but it doesn't sound like it's much of a concern of yours. No, only because I think she was, you know, she is a really top Philly. And I, I remember I, my, I had a Philly named silver bullet day and she was sort of that same caliber. Like the first time I ran her, she went by like 11 lengths. And she was like, I ran her against the boys and tier as a two year old, and she'd go six, five and a half, seven. I'd throw her mile. She won the Kentucky Oaks. I mean, she was just, I mean, she the, the really good ones. They can they can do it all. So I've been I've been uh, running around here, getting people mad at me by telling them that. Uh, I don't know if Uncle Chuck can win, but I think he'll give uh, Tizzle all he wants. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I think Tizzle is a really great horse, but I always get excited about horses like Uncle Chuck who, like, you know, can throw these big numbers so early in their career. If they just can, you know, they stay healthy, they continue to progress, they can do really special things. Um, are you excited about the big horse uh, with Uncle Chuck? Well, you got to remember uh, – Tis a law. You're there in Saratoga, and that's like you going into Boston and bragging about the Yankees. You know, you just can't do that. You know, <laughs> that, that whole that whole crew lives up there. I mean, I, I've I've seen all the stop signs, and that's pretty cool. You know, and it, it's great. It's exciting. I mean, they have a they have a really good horse, and every he's done everything. Just he had that one little hiccup in Churchill where, you know, he got in trouble and he, he didn't, he got beat that night, but you know, he, he had a reason to get beat that night, you know? And so, um, uncle Chuck, he's, you know, I've been lucky. He's, he's had everything sort of, you know, his own way. He, uh, his first race, he stepped back right when they broke, but he rushed him up. But, um, uh, the thing about uncle Chuck that I like about him and what you like about him is you can see he's got that brilliance you know, of a really top, top horse. And so he does it effortlessly. He's only had two outs, but they were pretty impressive outs. And and he's got a pretty good bottom. I, I have a pretty good foundation. Even before I ran him, he was ready. I had him ready to go a mile first time out because I didn't want to run him short. I didn't want to get him too speedy and too, you know, I figured if I ran him long first out, not only, you know, I could get an out into him, I was going to get a two-turn race, and I thought he was good enough to win the two-turn race. I was, I was so excited about watching him run his first out because I, I told Mike, I said I think he, I got a really good one here, and uh, just let him ride him like you did, justify, just put him on the lead, and just let him, let him. He got the big long stride, and and then he got he broke slow, 
rushed up, made the lead, one easy, was green, was jumping, wrong, jumps to his wrong lead because he's green. You know, a lot of horses jump to the left lead because maybe, you know, they're not comfortable. He does it because he's just green like he did it in the Los Alamitos Derby that uh, Saez said when I when I went, I, w- I hit him, le- when I went to switch my stick to the right, when he saw me do that, he switched to the left. That's why he did it, you know. And so, um, but it take. It seems like he was. He, he just gets going after about a mile. That's when he starts turning it on, and he does that in his works. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching that XB TV. They've been watching his works, and his last work was probably his more professional work, where he was just got that long stride. You can turn it on, and you can he can just cruise along, and he's got a big long stride like. Airgate did, you know. I I I use the word I throw Airgate out there because they're sort of built the same way. They're tall, narrow, lanky, beautifully made, beautiful neck, shoulder, uh, but they they're not as heavy, so they're not carrying a lot of weight. So they those horses they can they can run it's they can run further faster because they're not carrying that extra bulky like a muscled up horse like a Justify. Justify was just a big you know, uh, tight end, you know, big, long jumping, but he was big, heavy, heavier horse. And so, um, so I, I see a, a lot of comparisons. I don't know if he's as good as Arrogate, but coming into this race, he's showing me he's acting like Arrogate coming into this race, you know, but, but he, you know, I, and I think the mile and a quarter, if he, as long as he gets a clean break and he gets the nice rhythm and all, and so, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it because I'm I'm excited about you know watching him run and um, and that's why I picked the Travers because I I knew uh, once he uh, the way he won Los Alamitos Derby, I knew the Travers would be the uh, you know if he if he would have been life and death to win the Del Mar I mean Los Alamitos Derby, then I would have just kept him home. You know, I wouldn't take that jump, but uh, and even even Size, who rode him that day, he came back and he said, "Wow, man, he's he's just learning how to run." He says he was just getting going, you know. So it's exciting, but he's gonna have to, you know, like he's gonna have to step it up, and uh, and I think he should because you know, Thousand Words came back and ran really well, and I thought Thousand Words ran really well that day, you know, and so. I have a, I predicted, I'm on the record, by the way, I was very happy about thousand words. I, I'm on the record of saying that I guarantee, I said it maybe back in March or April, that thousand words will hit the board in the Derby. And so with him getting that win the other day, I was excited about that <laughs> and saving my, uh, my uh, aggressive opinion that I made back in the day. It just feels like one of those horses is going to keep kind of grinding along and, and uh, kind of be forgotten about. And, I'm not saying he's the most likely winner of the race, but I think he's one of those horses that can just kind of keep plugging along. He'll love that mile and a quarter. Yeah, I mean, it's a horse that he got a little sour on me, and um, and I so I just sort of I backed off on him. And uh, after his disastrous race at Oakland, um, and he broke horribly that day, but it wasn't really the break. But he was just sort of he wasn't. He just, I could tell his, his mindset wasn't right. You know, he's healthy and sound, but he just, his mindset wasn't right. He was getting a little light on me. His, 
he wasn't going out there and really breezing and enjoying it. Like he wasn't, you know, we were having to, you know, urge him along. And when you have to urge a horse along like that, it's, 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 uh, you know, that means they're not quite in the, in the, in the groove, but now, now he's come back around and I, uh, he's been, he's been a challenge for me, but I, I like challenges like him. And so we, we got him back on the beam and had a feeling he was going to win that race the other day. And, uh, and cause I was, I was worried about Cezanne. Cezanne is a really good horse, but he's, he's a heavy horse. And he came down here and he got heavy on me, like just in a few weeks. And, uh, he's, uh, I got to watch him. He's like, he's like these, uh, if he was a football player, they would, they would find him for every five pounds he gained, you know, cause he, he puts the weight on. And so, and you, and you, I don't want to be too hard on him in the morning because you know you're trying to keep him healthy, and so he is that from tired. eating. He just eats. Is he, is he just gaining that weight from eating? He's an eating son of a gun. I'm telling you what. He's an eating son of, and he just keeps the weight. He's muscular, and because uh, he's a much better horse than that. He, but he was just exhausted. And then what happened is I knew. I told him in the paddock, and I told uh, Abel. I said, "Look at you." You know, last time we broke and I told Pratt, just grab him today. Let's grab him and let him just come run it. Let's try it. Let's get him to relax instead of just saying him. I don't want to send him and just and, and empty him out. I don't think he wants to do that. But today in the one hole, I said, I, the way he's been training, send him away from there. And 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 if he gets an easy lead, just keep him right there. And I had Pratt. I said, oh, Pratt, this horse is heavy. Just get him out there. But. I'm going to send a one, but you, you need to be lapped up with my other horse. You need to be lapped up there. And whatever you do, this Mike Smith, he's a cagey son of a gun, especially in short fields. He's going to do not let that horse get in front of you guys ever in the race because that Mike will take off and get the jump on you, you know? So then when they broke, they were in perfect. But then all of a sudden, I think Pratt thought he was, they were nice and comfortable. And then Mike made that, you know, he'll do that early move there on that part that after the first turn. And oh, Mike's used to do with Abel Tasman yeah, with, with you all the time. Yeah, that middle move, you know. And so I and I and he caught Pratt completely off guard. Caught him completely off guard. Abel, he saw it happen. He said, Hey, he was uh, adios. You know, he didn't he didn't let him. So then Pratt then Pratt had to put him in a five H run to get him back up in there. You know, and and that's why he emptied out. You know, so uh, he's a much better horse than that. But you know, those that's why those short fields. I I don't like those short fields because too much happens. You know what I mean? Everybody's mm-hmm. watching everybody, and every you know what I mean. You it whatever it, it it plans out, and and when you've been in this business long enough, I know how most of these jockeys how they think. Mike Smith, he knows. All the great riders like Jerry Bailey, you know, I've sat there and talked to him. He's one of the greatest, you know, and uh, and uh, Gary Stevens. They know how they know exactly what every rider is going to do on their horse. They just know and when they're going to do it. So these guys, they're ready for it. So we have a lot of young riders out here that are still, you know, they're they're they haven't been around as long as those guys, you know. And so um, just like the. Uh, Maximum security ride uh, with Abel uh, with Abel Cedillo. Uh, 
we we talked about it. I said, look, it, it's going to need the race, but Victor's Victor's on John Sheriff's horse, Midnight Court. Midnight Court at Del Mar is a beast when he gets the lead. I mean, he's, you can't beat him. And uh, and I'm I'm in the paddock, and then I'm talking to Mike Smith, and Mike says, no, Max is he's quicker than him. He you're you're much quicker than him. So just you just get in front of that horse, and um, but when he broke, he was you know that midnight court was outside of him. He should have broke and just stayed. He rushed to the rail, and the rail was really deep and dead. You know they've got a little bit better this week, as you've noticed. And he went right to the rail. He broke like a shot, was right in the rail. And he thought he was just going to sit there and lean him around. But then Victor was really aggressive. And he came to him. And Wright just shaved him off to get him running. He knew that Abel gave, you know, he gave in. And when that happened and Pratt was behind, he saw what was happening. He came in there. Next thing you know, they've got Max completely just, he had to check and stop and get him going again. and. And that's hard to do at Del Mar. The, the track's been deep. It's a different kind of track. And it's almost like the move that Frosted did to American Pharaoh in the Travers. Remember that? When he broke, he slowed down. Then he came to Yeah, absolutely. That. And then they were in a in a full-out drive from the 5.8s. And Pharaoh, the great horse he is, he was, he was gassed at the top of the stretch. But he did not let Frosted go by. And then he never saw the other horse coming way in the outside, you know. But uh, so, so I mean, it's just. But that's what happens when you have these these short fields. A lot of things like that happen. So you, uh, that's why you really sort of got to map it out pretty well, you know, before you go out there. And, and so, you mentioned Pharaoh and the Travers, and and I was thinking about it. It's like I feel like that race has probably provided some of your highest highs and lowest lows right and in the game is like you know obviously west coast won and then and then arrogate winning at 11 to 1 which is shocking to me still to this day and then also the pharaoh thing where it was such a big deal that you brought him here and obviously he was such a fan favorite and and getting beat that day i needed him for like twenty thousand. by the way i i've been alive let me you're gonna laugh at this i've been alive to american pharaoh for twenty thousand, and i got beat I was also alive to arrogate for 20,000 and got beat. I don't know how I can be alive to the greatest horses of all time in those times where like I just got snapped. It's, but it is what it is. What, what did you, you know, I've heard you talk about it before and I felt like you were kind of falling on the sword a little bit when it came to American Pharaoh, but I'll give you an opportunity. Do you feel like you made a mistake with how you prepared him or bringing him here and running him here in the Travers? Yeah, I think what I did is I wasn't I wasn't going to come to the Travers after the Haskell. I was going to bring him back here. I wanted to go to I wanted to go to the Pennsylvania Derby with him. That would have been perfect. Um, a perfect uh, the timing would have been great. And so um, I was getting a lot of. Uh, um, little pressure from Saratoga and, uh, and everybody thinks that uh, the Zaya was putting the pressure. It wasn't really him. It was, I, I was getting pressure from, I even got a letter. I got an email from Chuck Schumer. And I didn't even, I didn't even know who that was, you know, 
<laughs> I was like, uh, I'm going, who are these people? That's a, these senators and all these, you know, from New York. And uh, so I, I took him up there and I thought, well, he should probably go to Saratoga. But I'll tell you where we messed up there. He was he was doing fine. It was the day before. I usually take that horse by himself and we gallop him early in the morning. So they wanted us to go at a certain time. They said, well, we want the fans that are there to 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 watch him train. So I said, well, I hate to do that, but uh, I guess, okay, we'll do it. So I didn't realize there's going to be 20,000 people out there. It was, it was like overwhelming. And so I took the pony up there and I told Jimmy to go with him with a pony. And I usually don't send him to gallop with a pony. And that was my mistake. When I took him with the pony and I told the exercise rider, you know, be sure now when you go out there, just go easy. Don't do too much. You know, we're just, it, it's, um, but um, when we, when he backed him up to the wire and, and all the people, they're all screaming and yelling and we turned him around and I didn't have my radios with me and, and Jimmy had a hold of them and I, I, but he didn't have the radio. And so um, I was saying to myself, I hope he doesn't turn him loose. Because the only time we took Pharaoh with a pony is when we let him work and we turn him loose and he'd start breathing. And when he turned that horse loose, <laughs> that horse thought he was doing the work. And he took off in a really strong gallop. I mean, Really, I mean, he was stroking. If the race would have been that day, he would he would never gotten beat. But I think it took a lot of the starch out of him. Somebody said they clocked him the last mile of his gallop in one forty three. You know, he was just he was tough, and he thought he was going to breeze. And uh, and with all those people there, and I was worried about it. When I went back to the barn, I went to check him out, and he was blowing. He was really blowing. He drank a half a bucket of water. And I thought, oh man, he was just, and I was, and I told the rider, I said, well, you know, and the rider's telling me, I'm telling you, he, no, I'm telling you how to hold of him. Yeah, but he was, I mean, he looked unbelievable. I mean, looked unbelievable. And, um, and I think it took the starch out of him. And then when, and then after that, I, I could tell when I, when I saddled him for the, the for the race, a lot of times I can tell when I put the saddle on these horses, you can almost feel them when you're putting the saddle on them They're You can feel that their energy or their, their, you know, they, they get in there and they, they, they know they blow up or they can tell the way they are. And he was little, he was quiet. I could tell he was a little quiet. And so, um, so I told Victor, I said, you know what? I think he did a little bit a lot too much. I'm going to need your help here today. You're going to have to, going to help, you know, conserve a little bit there. And so, and I think when he broke and when he slowed him down and remember, uh, Rosario was riding frosted and he got hurt the race before he went down or something, he got hurt. So they put another rider on frosted. I forget. I think it was, no, I'm going to say it was Lescano or Alvarado. Yeah, one of the two. Lescano. And so, Lescano, so and so when they left there, Lescano got real aggressive with the horse. And when when Victor slowed down on the far turn, Lescano just went right up there with him. 
and just was just bumping him from the all the way. I mean, on the far turn, I mean, was just riding him like, you know, there were pictures of him like bumping the rail, just kept on really riding him hard. And, uh, and they had, so they had their own little personal match race from like the, from the five, from the five eights on. And when they hit the stretch, I could tell that Pharaoh, I mean, I thought he was just going to run last. I thought he was just going to stop because I could tell he was empty because Victor, his body language, I could tell he didn't have any horse, but he still fought so gallantly. That was one of his best races because he fought so gallantly. He would not let that frosted go by him, would not let, you know I mean? That's the great ones do that. He could have easily given it up. And, uh, and then here comes, uh, uh, the uh, was it ice keen keen ice on the outside uh, and got us and it's just it's it's just an empty empty feeling you know you know what I it was I felt bad because I felt like I let the whole town of Saratoga down because that place was rocking I mean it was Saratoga this and uh, I remember walking down the streets during the day, the day before, and everybody wishing me luck. And, you know, we just love that horse. They had pictures of him everywhere. I mean, just a rock, just a rock star of a horse, you know? And, um, and the place, I mean, that place would have just been crazy. It would have been crazy that night. So you just sort of feel like, you know, it just lets all the air out of the, your sails and, and I'll, I'll never forget, we're sitting there and I'm doing the interview and, and, and all these media there. And all of a sudden, um, the owners of um, Keen Ice, they come up there and they're like, and finally I felt sort of that. I, and I, I told the, the managing partners, I think I'm sitting in your seat. Everybody laughed, you know, here, sit down, sit down there and, you know, congratulations, you know, you. You're the winners of the, and I got up and I started walking off to talk to some other people. Like people got up to follow me, you know, it was, it was just like, everybody was devastated, you know, but, uh, uh, but it, it's one of those things where, you know, the good horses, they get, they get beaten, but it was, it, that, that race had nothing to do with the, uh, like the, uh, what do they call the, the graveyard of champions. Right. You know, that, that was a, just, that was just a little, I think he, the day before he got him beat. Yeah. Did, did you know, did you know that arrogate was going to run as well as he did that day when he was the price that he was? I thought he could not lose. I'm telling you, I was, I thought we were, we were waiting for that race and, um, Bejarano had been working. I was supposed to ride him, but then he was—he had to ride that other horse he'd been riding. And so, um, but we were, I, when I drew the one hole, I had drew the one and the two hole. I thought, oh man, I was just, so then I had to find a rider for, for Arrogate. And I couldn't find a rider for him up there. And so I, that's how Mike got on the horse. I said, Mike, I've got this horse and uh, will you go ride him in Saratoga? Yeah, I don't have anything going on. And so, um, 
we told Mike, I said, uh, and Beharana was telling us, that, and he goes, Mike, this horse, he can really, really run, Mike, I'm telling you. And so, but Mike, I said, it's, you know, he doesn't get away from the gate too well. You're going to have to really get him running. And, um, you know, because they're going to, you know, he doesn't have that much speed. So, Mike, he, uh, that's one thing about Mike Smith. He really, he's so good out of the gate. I mean, he's just a, he's a horseman, you know. He he knows how to warm up a horse the right way where you can, you know, he, he gets out of the gate really well. And um, he got him, he got him rolling. And, and I had freedom, uh, American freedom in the race. And he's a good horse. And we figured we were going to lay first and second all the way around there. And, uh, and they did on the backside. I remember he went 46 and four. And, you know, my wife, Jill says, oh, he's going too fast. I go, I don't know, but he doesn't look like he's going very fast. You know, <laughs> he's, just, he's just that big, long striding horse. And when he turned for home, it was like, I, I thought I had a chance to win. But I didn't know he was going to do that, you know, but that's the first time we'd ever let him really run, you know, just let him really rip. And uh, and Mike, he thought it was going to be a one shot deal anyway. So and then when Mike came back. You know what he says? Hey, you guys were right about that horse. He can really run, you know, <laughs> so. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think it was going to break a track record, but. Uh, that was, that was incredible. And I know you've been along, around a lot of good horses, but I, I, I want to, I'm not going to want to challenge you, but I'm just curious. Have you been around a horse that had a better four race run than that horse did the Travers, the classic, the Pegasus and the Dubai world cup. I, I, I I've never seen a horse run four spectacular races in a row like that. Well, I really think that if American Pharaoh or Justify, if they would have come join the party late like that, you know, they could have done it. Um, they were that good. They, you know, he came in late where, you know, during the the derby, when you run them as two-year-olds and getting ready for the derby, it's a little bit tougher on them, you know, that they're running and getting the preps and all that stuff. But uh, it's, but I've never had a horse that, um, I think his uh, his Breeders' Cup race when he ran down California Chrome was incredible because that Chrome was a really he was a great horse and he had everything go his own way that day and when he cut loose I thought there was no way he could catch him and when that stretch run and they were opening up on the field I mean they beat the a third horse by 12 or 13. I mean, that was an incredible breeder's cup. And, um, and that Dubai race was just, that, that was like, I, you know, to me, you know, I've always said that, you know, we always, I've wanted a horse as good as secretariat. That was a secretariat type race that night, you know? And, and so that's why it just, that that horse and then I got him back and I, I was mad at myself. I should have just stopped on him. And because he was doing even the sheet guys were saying this horse is not supposed to be doing this. You know, he's right running these 
ridiculous numbers. And, um, you know, I, I sort of, I beat myself up for just, you know, I should have just stopped on them and, and just given them, you know, freshen them up. And so I, because, you know, it, it wasn't, he didn't like Del Mar. He just, all of us, he just lost interest and he just wasn't, uh, he just wasn't the same horse, you know? And so I just, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I think a lot of people always just assumed that it was Del Mar, you know, that's kind of where it started going wrong for him, but it's interesting to hear you say that maybe it was just, look, I mean, we're talking about the four, in my opinion, the four greatest performances in a row by one horse I've ever seen. It, you know, it, it makes sense that it took something out of him, you know? Um, but it, it just stinks yeah. that it, it stinks that that's where the Breeders' Cup was that year. You know, I, I mean, I remember saying that to myself. I would have loved to see him and Gunrunner hook up somewhere else. Yeah, the um, but the thing is about uh, about Arrogate is that he um, he had that big long long stride. He was a, a lighter horse, and I think that that race that he ran it. Dubai, what he what he had to do on a on a track that was speed biased as it is, and you know walking out of the gate and uh, and 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 doing what he did. I mean, I I got so emotional that night. I could I was so upset the first half. I couldn't really enjoy the race, and and then when he came galloping by Gunrunner, Gunrunner was running. He was on. He was running, and he galloped by him like he was just nothing. You know, just like he joined jumped into quarter pole and and to me to this day it, it's that's the greatest uh most performance of a horse that i've ever trained was that night i mean that that was like uh that's why it just pains me when he when we lost him this year that it's the worst thing uh it just it was just heartbreaking to to when I found out that uh, the, they had to put him down, you know, it was, oh, it was horrible. What, what does he have? Three-year-olds? He has, does he have two-year-olds now? He has Arrogate? yearlings. He has yearlings, yearlings now. Well, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I we are all hoping that he, you know, can pan out at least quickly in that arena. Hopefully he got some good mares to start and oh, he got, try to find a way. He got – he got some really good ones, and they're and they're beautiful too. I mean, they're. Uh, I uh, I I have a couple myself that are just knockouts. You know, I, I bred to them, and um, and so it, it's one of those things where he was just, you know, he was a song of unbridled song, and unbridled song had never really. He had good horses, but not like. Unbridled Song was an incredible racehorse, just a you know great racehorse, and uh, but he was totally different. But but that Arrogate, um, he's a horse that it's hard to really compare him. I don't like to compare him uh, because you know Martin Garcia, he he worked them all, you know, but uh, he's in a mile and a quarter. He's just Arrogate. <laughs> Arrogate would beat them all, you know. And um, but he said, for a that for a mile, he says that American Pharaoh. I tell you what, American Pharaoh was the most 
I loved Wally. One thing I missed about him, not only was he a sweet horse, but he was the most unbelievable workhorse I've ever trained. What he would do in the mornings, he would. I remember bringing him to Del Mar, and the track was deep and heavy, and and um, I was I was going to work him. I was going to put a good work into him, uh, like about a, you know, put about a three quarter work from the from the five eighths pole, and Beholder was out there, and she was going to work a mile. So I held off. I said, I'm watching Beholder. And she breaks off and she gets, you know, she finishes up. She got really, she's, she was tired, really. And I was down there and Gary Stevens, man, this track's heavy. You know, I just took it easy on her. Man, this is really tiring. So I said, well, we better leave the four and a half. We'll just go five eights with him. So I left the four and a half with him and I'm just watching him. And he, he had this stride. He just, just stroke at his, his mechanics and i'm watching him he's going along and i think beholder worked a mile in 143 so he leaves a four and a half and he's going all the way around he's just cruising i said he's just doing it easy I just keep going he goes like 48 goes like minute keeps galp i said let him galp he galps out the mile in 139 <laughs> like like nothing and it's just like, wow. So American Pharaoh, he's, uh, if I really, he, he he's the most incredible horse I've trained because his speed and uh, I worked him, I'll never forget, I worked him before the Rebel. Like you can talk to Gary Young. He's a, he's a, uh, you know, a professional clocker up there. Yeah, and I worked, yeah, and I worked him from the gate seven eights. And and I worked him with a good horse, and he came and he worked like seven eighths, and it was ridiculous. I think he went twenty three and change, and he was just loping, just galloping out and whatever. And I looked at him, and he's shaking his head like I have never seen anything like that. And and I've had some good horses, and I've never seen anything like that, you know. And I thought, wow, I mean, this is so, um, and his, his Arkansas Derby was just incredible. You know, uh, I'll, I'll never forget. You know, I never, oh, I'm sorry, Bob, just real quick. I, I'm not a huge, I, I don't really know how they're supposed to move. I mean, I, you know, I'm starting to pick it up as I, I mean, I'm watching so many races and I watch workouts and usually I'm looking at hands and who they're working with more than anything. But one thing that I noticed about American Pharaoh, and it was the first horse I noticed do this, was his head made this axing type motion. And and I cannot tell you another horse I've really seen do that, where it looks like his head is like like it's slicing into the air in front of him. A lot of them look like they're reaching with their heads. His yeah. head looked like it was axing, and and I that's yeah. the, that was one of the, the you know one of the things I noticed about him. Yeah, he had this. Uh... I'll never forget uh, uh, the uh, we were at the pre at the Preakness. Remember when the rain came down and it was in the one Absolutely. hole? Yeah. They were just worried about it and everything. And so that day we decided, you know what? I told my wife Jill after the Derby. She says, "She says I know we won the Derby, you know, later that night, but 
I thought we had this super horse. What happened? He barely won. <laughs> and so I says, I think, I think he wants to be on the lead. You know, <clears throat> I think he was, we were holding him back. And so when we went to the Preakness, you know, I, I told uh, Victor, I said, you know, Victor, I think better, let's just put him on the lead. Just go for it. And if he gets beat, don't worry. Just, um, I'll take the blame. Just, we'll just go home. You know, we won the Derby. That's, that's good enough for me. And so, um, and he took off and he was running They They, they were both, uh, it was, that <clears throat> I'm trying to think of the name of that horse of, uh, Zion had just sold him. Mr. Z. Mr. Z. Yeah. Mr. Z. And I told him, I said, why? He says, I had to sell. I got offered. <laughs> I've got offered a lot of money. I had to sell, you know? I said, yeah, but you're going to hurt me with the pace, you know? So, um, and he says, ah, if he's good enough, he'll win, he'll win, you know? So, all right. So, um, and, uh, they got to running, they were running and all of a sudden they go around that first turn. Mr. Z find Nakatani's on him. He, he sees Nakatani sees hey, this, these guys, they're, they're not going to slack off. They're, they're committed. So he just, he, he just took a hold of Mr. Z he was just going to follow us. So, um, when they went the first quarter, I hear Jill say, oh, my God, he's going too fast. He went 20. How fast? He goes 22 and change. He goes, that's way too fast. Somebody said, oh, that's too fast. And I'm watching him move, and I'm going like, it, he doesn't look like he's going very fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what he did. And he was in that stroke in it, you know, with it. He'd throw the legs way out there, and he would drop his head. You like he had that motion with his head. He'd throw them out there, and I could always tell. And those ears, he'd throw those ears forward. And when I saw those ears go forward, and he's doing that, it's like, dude, I got it under control. You know, we're we're good here. It's like, and then all of a sudden, when they came to the uh, to the quarter pole, I thought, well. It started closing in on him. I thought, oh, man, that probably that pace, you know, is going to get to him. And then he just re when he rebroke in the at the eighth pole. I knew right there. He, I, I'm going to win the triple crown with that horse. That's what you need to win the triple crown with something that is just so superior that, you know, of any horse I've ever had. And uh, and that it was just a matter of just. Uh, you know, I just after that, I, I, I knew I had the horse to do it and I just kept quiet about it. I didn't want to I didn't want to I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to disrespect the other horses. I didn't want to get the other people because a lot of times through the years, John, I've gone to the Triple Crown and those trainers at the Belmont, they're up. They want to beat you. They want to They're going to they're going to they're want to throw everything at you, you know, and th so. But American Pharaoh, I see. I went up there, and I've never seen so many jockeys and trainers that had so much respect for that horse. They knew if we go after them, <laughs> we're gonna get nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and they were like, hey, they just wanted to be. And and Frosted was the horse, you know, that we were worried about. And so, uh, and then when Frosted made that, and run, and run the first turn. I saw those ears go up and I thought, wow, man, we're looking, this is, oh, this is just perfect. 
And then I saw 13 and change. And I go, man, that 13, you know, three quarters and 13, and that, that's doable, you know. And, um, and I could tell Victor Spinoza at the quarter pole. You can always tell Victor, if he's got a lot of horse, he's sitting chilly. He does not move. The minute that horse starts feeling a little tired, man, he's he starts scrubbing. He he's like uh you can tell, you know, he starts you can he's scrubbing panicking. on him. Yeah, yeah. You know, not panicking, but he goes, Oh, I'm I'm empty here, you know, so that's not a yeah. good sign. And he just sitting still on him, and I'm thinking to myself, Oh my god, he's got so much horse and he's still sitting on him. He's riding with so much confidence. And uh but then I see that Frotz had making a move, and I'm thinking, all right, this is where everything, the story falls apart, and here it comes. And as soon as that Frost had made a little run at him, and then Frost's head came up, you know, like, came up a little bit. He was struggling a little bit. And then after that, I'll never forget, I was just like, I never said a word. I was just watching this like, oh, I can't believe this is actually happening. I'm going to win the Triple Crown. <laughs> I'm watching this horse. And I'm speechless. I'm not yelling or screaming for him. I'm like, you know, I'm just watching and listening to the the noise. The noise was, it was such a drowning noise. The, it was definitely. I was I was upstairs, like in in the garden terrace. You, I'm assuming you were outside, but it was it was nuts. Oh, it, and it was shaking, and it was loud, and it was the, it it was loud for for like uh, another thirty seconds past the wire. And, and, uh, and I kept saying, wow, that is so loud. I kept saying that to myself. I told my wife, God, it was so loud. And she says, why didn't you tell me? Cause she didn't hear it. You know, she was so emotional crying and, you know, everybody's excited and all, but, uh, just, a just, a, a just a great feeling. And, and it was very emotional for me because, uh, I, you know, I lost my parents the years before and they weren't there to see it so it was very emotional and uh but i i, I yeah it was, it's just exciting you know i i never thought i could get it done yeah but you, you you know I, one of the things i wanted to ask you was is that you had those two experiences prior with silver charm and real quiet did, did you did you learn something through those moments that like helped you make better decisions when it came to Pharaoh or justifier or was just racing luck. You just got beat those two days and it is what it is. Cause and I say that because as a horse player, um, I think so often we become results oriented, right? In this game, it's like, okay, well you got beat on real quiet and silver charm. So you must've done something wrong. You got to change everything you do. But I also think that there's part of it is like, sometimes you just get beat. The process is right. And you just got to get lucky on the day for the process to see itself through. Did, do you feel like you learned anything from those first two experiences? No, I think, you know, what I learned is that it's a lot of pressure on the jockey. It's a lot of pressure. And I remember going through it with Silver Charm the first time. We were all under a lot of pressure. And they were, those are probably, uh, everybody used to run in the, in the Preakness and in the Belmont. And it's changed since then. They, no, nobody wants to go to the Preakness now. And so, um, so there was, there was the, the Silver Charm. That was a tough year. We had Silver Charm. It was Pulpit. 
there were some good horses. Uh, and so um, we had Captain Bodgett, um, Freehouse. And so um, so they were all, they were pretty close to each other, all those horses. And then Touch Gold, he joined the fray late. He joined the Preakness. And Touch Gold, I think I might've got lucky there. I mean, he stumbled badly in the Preakness, came up, then got cut off a little bit. You know, so I knew that horse was a really good horse. He was going to be tough to beat. And it was funny. It looked like Silver Charm was home free. And then here comes Touch Gold. And McCarran, he rode an incredible smart race because he used to ride Silver Charm. And he had taken off, and Gary Stevens picked the mount up. But uh, he knew that if he went with Silver Charm hooked up with him, he wouldn't be able to get by him. That That's the thing about Silver Charm. He is, he was unbelievable. He, so he would just, I'll tell you who was just like him. It is maximum security. Reminds me so much of Silver Charm. He does not want to get beat. And um, that's what, what he did the other day. I had a feeling, I said, I just, something told me, turn for home. He's supposed to get beat here, but he is not going to get beat. He, that horse, you know, I, they're very rare horses that are that way. When you get them in a situation like that, they're 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 gonna they're gonna dig deep, and they find a will to win. And uh, and that silver charm, I knew when I, that first derby, I thought I was gonna get that Captain Bodget was gonna come by him, but my gut told me there's no way this horse is gonna let him by, and he did not let him by, and you know, won the Preakness the same way. Well, when it when it comes to maximum security that you mentioned, obviously, you know, I, I I've I when I heard you took the horse, I thought oh, it's lose lose, right? Like just lose lose for Bob in the situation because either you know the horse is going to either not run well, and then it, he's going to run well. It just it's just a weird situation. Was it? Did you have to think twice about taking him based on the you know just kind of the background of the horse, or were you were you uh, gun ho when you heard that that was an opportunity? Well, it was when it all went down, everything went down. I didn't, um, you know, uh, I, I, I just, I was reading everything, hearing everything. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't talk to Gary West or anything. I, you know, been training for him and, uh, and he was, I was just reading what he was saying. I haven't decided who's going to get the horse yet or whatever. And my wife, Jill, was asking me, who do you think, who do you think he'll give the horse to? I said, I don't know. Maybe he'll keep him back to Easter. I don't know. I said, um, and so um, I remember um, he sent me a text or gave me a call. I want to say, it might have been at like at nine o'clock at night. And he said, Bob, I said, I've got this horse. I don't, I guess you know what's going on. I said, yeah, Gary, I feel so bad for you guys. And it's horrible. And it was just horrible. It was just tough on, I could tell the man was just, it was beat up, you know, here though, what he's been through with, you know, winning the Derby, getting taken down, you've got the best horse. You win a $20 million race, and then this happens. Your trainer's uh, just been a, arrested, and this horse is like, you know, this poor horse is like, he said, Bob, I said, 
could you take this horse for me? I says, I, you don't you know, I understand, you know, I said, look at Gary. I said, we're going to, we're going to take him and we're going to check him out. We're going to turn him out. But when he comes back, would you take him? And I said, you know, Gary, you're my friend. I, you know, I'll take him for you. But if you change your mind, don't worry. I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, you know, if you, you know, for, you know, like, and so I said, so I thought, and, uh, so he said, oh, thank, you know, thank you, you know. And so, so I thought I'd hear about it, you know, next month, you know, a month will go by. Next day, it's in the news. Guys are calling me up. Yeah, I heard you're getting Max. Wow, that was, you know, but <laughs> it was like, uh, it was like, um, but, you know, Gary, and they're, they're friends of mine. You know what? And, and they're, um, and he, and he, it was like, you know what, this is a great horse, and and I'm built. I, I also trained for Coolmore, and I'm very familiar with them. But Gary felt he feels comfortable with me, you know, and so um, and it really hurt him because he really, you know, he he uh, he he's the kind of guy that really he enjoys. He has a passion. He loves the animals, and Mary just loves the animals. I mean, he just loves them, and. Um, so it was really tough, you know. Um, he, it was. He said it was. He told me it was worse than losing the Kentucky Derby. What he had to go through when he heard that, just hurt, hurt you know, just really just uh, hurt him. So um, you know, I took the horse. He says so. They uh, sent me the horse, and and um, I got him. And I'm like everybody else. I said, you know, I I really hadn't seen him that close. I saw him at. I saw him at Saudi, this big, heavy horse, and my wife asked me, says, have you seen Maximum Security? I said, yeah, he looks, yeah, he's a, man, he's built like a, like a bull, you know, he's just strong, muscle, just, and he says, and he looks, um, I go, he, he sort of looks fat. I said, maybe, you know, we'll get lucky and we can, we can beat him, you know, and so um, we're, uh, but uh, that night, I'm telling you what, that horse, he looked like he was beat at the top of the stretch. And he was just unbelievable, you know, what, what he did. It was, it was just, uh, he, they, that's when I, that's when I realized, man, that horse has a will to win. He was just, he gutted it out to, to beat us because turning for home, I thought I was, I was gone. I was home free. And that size was having to ride him from the, about the, you know, middle of the turn, you know, and, and he, he found, you know, he, he got there. So, uh, so then you get a horse like that, but when I got him, he, he was in great shape. Um, you know, they did all kinds of tests, you know, they took hair samples and they did all that stuff and, you know, they didn't find anything, you know, anything that's not supposed to be in the system, you know, just so, uh, but uh, I, he, I, the only problem I had with him, I couldn't, I couldn't get him to eat very well when I first got him. It took me a couple of weeks until he started eating well, and um, and he finally started eating. Uh, he was picky about how he eats, but now he's it took, now he's he's doing great, eating well. Uh, um, but and I and I trained totally different because uh, Jason Service, you know, he would train him 
weird works. You know, he's working a mile or half and 43 or whatever, you know. So, so it was like, um, you know, dealing with something. So I had to get him used to the way I trained, you know, just, you know, work him on a weekly basis and stuff. But, you know, I, I learned that he's a lot like Silver Charm. He's lazy. Silver Charm is the same way. Just couldn't. I had to work with something. He's he's going to do just as much as is is asked to do. And so, uh, but uh, this that, this race the other day, it really I could tell it really woke him up. And uh, he, he's a uh, he he really needed that race. And so I'm, you know, I feel pretty good about it that uh, I'm at least a, I haven't gotten a beat yet. <laughs> that's all that matters bob you uh i i think it's interesting like i i've uh you know i've privately told people this story a couple times but um so i've run into you uh before we became friendly i ran into you probably two times that i can remember the first time i know you won't remember it you ran game on dude at lone star park and you were in a suite that was next to mine we were out on the balcony and uh and I remember that was when I – that's when I learned the idea about letting fast horses go fast. And you had kind of – we were talking, just chatting about, you know, that that he's better off going 46 than he is going 48. Yeah. And that stuck with me for a long time. Um, there was that moment. Then the second time I think we met was because um, – Jill's niece dates a kid, or I think they still date. Maybe they don't. Dates a yeah. kid that I used to coach, uh, Jake Brindle, and uh, and I remember when I remember Jake sent a picture of you. I was at the Eclipse Awards, and and he sent a picture to me of you at, in front of the TV, like jokingly putting your finger up my nose, and uh, that was <laughs> that was like one of the coolest pictures I'd ever gotten. I'd like sent to all my friends, like, look at this. This is unbelievable. Um, the, the, the third time when our, our, uh, you know, we became extremely friendly was, was last summer. I'd seen you at the sale and I told you, I said, Bob, God, this turf horse. I tossed the horse cause it was turf and it was you. I tossed the horse and he wins. And you said to me, you should have texted me. I was like, well, Bob, I don't have your number. And, uh, so I want to talk about the turf thing because I still do it. I, I'm just being honest with you. I when I, I've I have singled your horses in dirt races more than any other trainer in the history of the world, but my brain as a horse player tells me that the horses that you get are not turf horses, and if they end up on the turf, it's because they either want to go five eights or you're trying to figure out what to do with them. Am I wrong about that idea? You're absolutely right. <laughs> the uh, the thing about turf racing, I've never. We all the all the horses, all the the clients that I train for, uh, they want to they want to compete in the in the dirt grade one races. That's that's where the the big big money. That's where the stallions are. You can have a great turf horse, but when they're done running the stallions, they're they don't have any value for some reason. They don't unless they're in Europe. You know the, those stallions are you know they breed to them. Uh, but the um, I I if I try them on the turf. Uh, it's, it's usually because I don't, 
I'm not as high on them. When I, whenever I try, my, when I tell my owners, yeah, I think I'm going to, I might run them in the turf first time out. They go, oh, he must not be much horse. <laughs> you know, he's not, he, he's not going to be a real good one. And so and, and a lot of times the turf, you know, some, I'll, I'll stumble upon one or two, you know, like, uh, but I'm not much of a, uh, you know, the five and a half turf races can get away with, you can run like dirt horses going five and a half. And uh, a lot of guys are winning a lot of races doing that. But uh, uh, I've had some nice turf horses. I almost won a Breeders' Cup turf horse, but they were European horses. They came from Europe and they were good. They were good turf horses. But I usually don't like, to, I don't run that much on the turf. It's just not really been a, um, and really, it's you don't have to train as hard on the turf. You know, they don't have to be as fit because on the dirt they have to be so much fitter. So, for for instance, if if uh, if a plane, uh, uh, I don't, uh, you know, if a plane shows up with ten of Chad's turf horses, and they showed up to your barn, would what what would you do differently from how you train your your dirt horses? I mean, do you feel like you have that club in your bag if you really wanted to? You just don't. It's just not your program. But do you under do you feel like you do you feel like if you pivoted to all turf that you would be able to figure it out? Oh yeah, yeah, I could. It's like synthetic when it first came in. I was, I I I really. I struggled with it when it first came in, but then I figured it out. And um, it, it's I, I I can adapt to it. It's a different you train them differently. You don't have to train as hard, you know. Then um, I rem, I remember Bobby Frankel used to tell me, you know, he says, um, you know, you you don't want to, you can't run them that often because they don't they they won't have that kick. You have to you have to be light on them. You don't have to train that hard because they're you know they're running on top of the degrad. They're not. They don't have to be as fit. You know, you, a lot of those turf horses you see them, but but you see those. Um, they they come in from Europe. They the ones they bring in from Europe. Those are like you know we see their cream that come in, but they're they're trained so well that to sit back and just uh, uh, and then they just have a burst of speed. You know they they they're trained that way. So. Uh, but uh, I think Chad, he's, you know, he's he's got a real knack for it. I mean, he's like the he's like he's just a, such a superior uh, grass trainer, you know. Well, Bob, why do you think it is? I I mean, I say it all the time. Is is um, and it's not just you. I mean, it's obviously it's mostly you. But when a when a when a West Coast dirt trainer sends one out east, they're always tough. And obviously you, you do it the most, but even if Doug O'Neill does it or if Peter Miller does it, or I don't care who it is, just the West coast dirt horses seem to perform well on the East coast, but, but vice versa, if a East coast turf horse goes West, I, I don't, it's like a, I just, I'll single, single. I don't care who it is. I just single them. The East coast turf horses just seem to be better. Why do you think that that is? Is there some dynamics? Do you think that maybe that leads to that? Well, the thing is, is turf is turf. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be pretty the same where dirt, a dirt track can be totally different. A dirt track at Saratoga, Monmouth, 
floor, wherever, it's different. So horses react differently. But when you got grass is grass. I mean, they run on the top of the grass and whatever. But I really think that the um, the the better turf horses are in on the East Coast because there's more opportunities to run them. Uh, you get to train on turf. Like Saratoga, they have the Oklahoma. They have the turf there. You can work. California, the, if you want to find out if you have a turf horse, you have to enter them and run them on the turf. They won't let you work them on the turf. So a lot of times, that's why you'll see a lot of horses just try the turf. And um, But I, I, I try them on the turf as a, as a last resort. Now, obviously, the last couple of years, California racing has been like a little bit, uh, you know, it's, it's been tough. You've had some obstacles with with uh, the track and then with the animal welfare stuff. And it's just it's been it's been tough. And one of the things I always ask myself is that, you know, I mean, obviously, hopefully things are will trend in the right direction. It's not an issue. But if 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 Santa Anita were to go away, which we all hope it never would, um what, what would you do? Would you, I, I, I mean, I've had this conversation with people like what, what would like Bob Baffert do? Like would he, would he, would he just run at Del Mar and just run in the summers? Would he ship from California? Would he, you know, it doesn't seem like he wants to move his family. What, I mean, what would you do in that situation if that unfortunate event were to happen? Well, I've thought about it a lot this last year. Um, I'm always thinking, I'm always asking my wife, uh, where do you want to live? You want to live in Lexington or in Louisville, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and she worked in Louisville. That's where I met her. And, um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I've always been that kind of person John, that I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Uh, but I, I, I think eventually California, uh, it's, it's going to be tougher, especially with all the regulations going on. And, um, and the only thing that could help us if we had some kind of gambling, like machines or something, to help the to get horses here. I'm just afraid we're gonna we'll run out of horses, and uh, and the the quality. And you see a lot of uh, you, you can tell by the Tiro race. I remember I used to come down here, you know, 15 years ago, and they used to split the Tiro races every week. And now they, they can barely fill the Tyrrell races, you know. But a lot of it is because the pandemic, they didn't, the Tyrrell sales were, you know, pushed back and so they weren't ready. But um, but you, you see it everywhere. You see it in New York. I think, uh, I think California is, you know, if they were to go first, I think New York might go next, you know, and it, it's going to be, you know, Kentucky, it'll always be there because it's just, it's basketball and horse racing in Kentucky. And um, and you've got Oakland has been a big savior. I mean, they, they're they getting stronger and, and, and bigger, but I think Del Mar could be the savior, maybe, because uh, it's owned by the, the state, you know, so... Uh, I hate to think of it, but I mean, if Santa Anita goes, I think it hurts all of horse racing. Uh, we, we, Santa Anita is very important to uh, the breeding industry. The the you know, and, and one thing about Santa Anita, we still have the gamblers. 
that, that's one thing about when you see a, a California horse goes east, he gets that late. The money's coming from from the West Coast, you know. So we've always we've always had the gamblers. I know, hundred percent. What what? Who is the best horse you ever trained that never got to show it? A horse that uh, you know was was either injured or just had a had a, some kind of mental block or just just uh you know we know about the good ones but who who, who do you think's the best horse you ever trained that you never really got to never got to strut their stuff uh, out in out in the open? Well, I've had a lot of them. You know, I've had horses that you know they either got injured or they weren't mentally. Um, I remember I had that horse General Challenge. He was a really good horse, but man, if I put him on a plane and took him somewhere, he could not. He would just fall apart. He was, he just didn't have the mind for it, and he was a good horse, you know. And, uh, but I, I, you know, I've had so many of them that were uh, so good, but they, they got hurt. You know, they, a lot of them, they just get injured, you know, and, um, like, um, uh, like this year, like Nadal, I mean, he was getting better and better, you know, he was, uh, and then, but Charlatan, I mean, he was, his brilliance, but, you know, at least he's, he has a chance to come back, but he's going to miss the, you know, he's going to miss the, he won't be back till later on, but uh, it's, he just got to, you know, that's why when you have a horse like a Pharaoh or an Arrogate, you just, you know, you're just glad that, you know, at least, hey, he, at least I had him, you know, he did well, you know, and, but uh, you, there's so much luck involved. And, and now what's helped me a lot is I, I get to train for all these, uh, these big outfits, Jonathan, before I, I wouldn't get them, I had to go buy my own horses. It was tough, but uh, that, uh, that American Pharaoh really, uh, really just really, when you get a horse like him, you know, it just really boosts your, uh, you know, your confidence in people and they start, then they start getting outside horses. And, uh, and, I, and I, I remember when I first got the call from Garrett O'Rourke that Judmont, you know, if you trained for Judmont, you were like, really, you know, you were, you'd really made it. And when I got the call that he wanted to buy horses, he wanted me to buy him just Colts. Uh, for the Kentucky Derby, that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty exciting. I'll never forget. You know, when like when Garrett O'Rourke called me and asked me that, wow, you know, like. And I remember I was with my father. I was visiting my father. It was two weeks before he passed when I got that call. And I goes, man, I just got a really good call. He says, really? I says, yeah. This guy from Judmont Farms wants me to buy him horses, and he goes. Hey, I know who they are. <laughs> you know, like, you know, that's pretty big. And so, and that, that's what I loved about training horses and and in these big races. My parents, you know, they didn't. They were getting old and couldn't really hardly travel anymore. And so, watching me on on television, watching my horses run, that kept them going. You know what I mean? It really kept them going. My my poor mother. She had kidney failure. She was on dialysis. She had all kinds of issues, but she fought so hard because she just wanted, I says, I want you to win. I, I, you know, you know, just, you know, these horses just, you know, kept her going, you know? And so, um, 
and uh and and my dad you know so and he's the one that got me in the business because he's loved horses if it wasn't him that was his hobby that's how i got involved with horses so um that's why every time i win one of those big races i i, I think of them I, that's why I, I get so emotional i become the biggest crybaby jonathan i just like i get very emotional now no, I mean, I, I actually, I, I love it. I love that part of it. You know, I mean, when I have a, you know, there's, there's horses that, that, that pull at my heartstrings and I don't spend nearly as much time with them as you do. And, and obviously the connection and, and it actually reminds me of, of one of my favorite horses of yours of, of McKenzie. I, I swear, and I'm not trying to mess with you now. I'm just telling you every time you talk about McKenzie and your friend, Brad McKenzie, I, you, you, I, I swear every time your throat, it kind of, you can hear it kind of tightens up a little bit. And, uh, and, and obviously that horse means a lot to you. And, but I think it's endearing. It's, it's kind of what makes this sport so special. Well, if you would, I, I don't know if you ever met Brad McKenzie, but he was, a, he, he was a great guy, big heart and, uh, great friend. And he was funny he was one of the funniest guys ever been around and um and he was like my biggest fan you know he was always there for my derbies and just um just always just a great per i met him when i was going to the university of arizona and then met, i met him through los alamitos he talked me into coming out to train to los alamitos and just just a great great person everybody loved brad and uh so I'm just glad that that horse worked out to be a, a really good horse, and um, and and his mother now that that horse keeps his mother going. You know, she's 93 years old, and and just she waits on that horse. You know, that if if it wasn't for that horse, I have no reason to live. She tells me, <laughs> you know. So that's what these horses do, you know. And so, and that's why I love this Uncle Chuck. Now, let me tell you about the story about Uncle Chuck. Uncle Chuck has had three names. People don't know. So um, one day I'm I, I I keep my horses at Los Alamitos. They're coming up the young horses and they're getting ready. And I have Mike Marlowe, and I I'll get every day he'll work. I'll get the he'll text me so and so worked. Uh, you know, look great, look good, look. And all of a sudden I get I'll get a. Um, uh, a certain horse and he'll say this look this this looks like a serious horse and when he says that very rarely and he said you know like i, I remember i remember like american fair like justify i think this is a serious serious horse you know and so um so i get this text it says widowmaker he looks really serious horse and i go widowmaker i go who owns him he says uh pegram watson and whiteman i go who? and i said i look at it, i told my who's widowmaker what what they they named a horse called widowmaker and so uh and my wife shows up in the office she goes and she hears the widowmaker she says who named the horse Widowmaker? I said, that's what they named it, Widowmaker. And Joe goes, you can't have a horse named Widowmaker. That, you almost died because you had the Widowmaker, you know. I said, you're, you're tempting fate. So I called Carl. I said, Carl, I'm going to have to change the name. It's this Widowmaker. That gives me the, the, it 
creeps me out, a horse named Widowmaker. So then, uh, so I was thinking of other names, and there was this, uh, this girl that's always uh, sending me names, I get, and she says, there's a horse, she sends me these names, and one was Eradicate. I said, Eradicate sounds pretty good, so I, so I gave him the name Eradicate. And I just couldn't get into Eradicate. I worked him a couple of times, and and uh, we had this horse called Uncle Magic that I had of Mike Pegram's. It was another Uncle Mo. I bought two Uncle Mo's, and so um, and I'm thinking of a name, and I said, you know what, Mike Pegram, he's got an uncle, and he's the one that got the family into the McDonald business. They were from Indiana, and he's the greatest nicest man and he's just the biggest fan and he just loves the horses and Mike takes such good care and he's in a he's in a they've got him in a he's in a home and I think it's in Palm Springs in one of those you know uh, and, and he can't get out you know he's like doing this COVID thing they won't let him out because if he leaves he can't come back for 12 days or something so I said you know what I'm going to name him Uncle Chuck Cause that's so Uncle Chuck's his name. He says, you know, Uncle Mo was by Indian Charlie Chuck. So I'm going to name him Uncle Chuck. And I never even told Mike or anybody. I just named him. So all of a sudden, Carl Watson, he calls up Mike. He goes, he says, did we sell uh, Eradicate? <laughs> he said, I don't, I don't see him or Widowmaker. I said, no, I don't see him. He says, so I said, uh, so he looked him up. He says, he's Uncle Chuck. And I go, and then Carl goes, who's Uncle Chuck? That's my Uncle Chuck. Oh, him. Oh, oh, that's good. You know, so so I told Mike I named that horse Uncle Chuck. He said, well, I'm not going to tell him because if he knows that horse is running, he's going to escape from that, uh, uh, it's that uh, <laughs> assisted living census. <laughs> And he won't be able to get back in there, you know. So, um, so it's been pretty cool that that horse is now. And so now, Chuck, Uncle Chuck, this horse is just—he is just—he is just so pumped up about this horse. And uh, he says that horse goes to Derby. I know. He, Mike says he's going to escape from that place. He's going to want to be there, you know. But uh, it's, uh, it's so you know, but. Sometimes we name these horses after good friends, just like he had Captain Steve with a friend of Mike's that we named him. And, uh, and, uh, and like Paul Whiteman, he's a big basketball fanatic. And he named, uh, we named uh, Midnight Lute after Lute Olson. Uh, because that's a, Jerry Tarkanian gave him that name. Actually, Lute uh, Olson, he, he did not like that name, you know, because, uh, uh, did you ever hear that story? Tarkanian had gone, and the night before, the the they had a sign out of high school to come to college. He left his kid's house. This Tarkanian says, "I left the house at nine o'clock." And the next day, I see the the letter called the kid. What happened? He says, "Um, I'm going. To, I'm 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 going to the University of Arizona." I go, "What happened? I thought you were all set." And he said, well, after you left, uh, uh, Lute Olson showed up at the house. <laughs> he said, 
And so he called them Midnight Loot after that. But Loot Olson, but Loot Olson said that's BS. He, the kid was always going to come there. But it was it was a great story anyway. So <laughs> did did uh, Midnight Loot? He he uh, he couldn't breathe. Right? Is, is that the story? Yeah, and that's why he couldn't stretch out. He had a throat I'll thing. Tell you what, great horse, one of the greatest horse, top five horses, best horse I ever trained. He had a throat issue. He's a big horse. And sometimes you have to be careful with those really big, big horses if they they get throat problems. And I remember the first time I worked on it, I thought, wow, what a what a serious horse he is. And but then after I worked him, I got him to Del Mar and I, I started I started galloping. I, I heard a wheezing noise and I thought, oh boy, I don't like that. It's wheezing. And we scoped him and he it was getting a little bit paralyzed. And I ran him at Del Mar, and he won, but he, he didn't win like we thought he would. He won because he was just a good horse. So I sent him to get his throat surgery in Kentucky, and the the first surgery went bad. It got infected. So then I sent him to another doctor in Kentucky, and he said he 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 did the surgery, and he he sent me a note, a letter. I should have saved it. And it said, um, I'm sorry, but uh, with all the scar tissue, uh, I can only get him back to 60% breathing. And he, he, can't, he won't be a, a racehorse, but he'll be a riding horse. That's what he told me in the letter. <laughs> so... And then, and I said, I called him up. I go, I just got your note, and and he's a really nice guy. And he goes, I says, BS. I said, this this horse going to be a racehorse. I mean, he is, and even he, uh, Doctor Emberton was his name. He even bred a mare to him when we bred him because he could not believe how he performed with only sixty percent of his air. He was a champion, you know. That's how good he was. He was a freak. Freak of a horse. Oh man, that yeah, you you've you've trained a lot that that uh, that have been just like they just like strike up memories for me. Misremembered the first time I ever went to fairgrounds. Um, I'm hanging out at fairgrounds, just being a fan, and on the way out, fairgrounds is over. We go downstairs. We're on the first floor at fairgrounds. It didn't at, the, at that moment. It didn't seem like the safest place to be. And uh, misremembered won the the big cap that day, and I I, I hit a trifecta. That, you know, I probably won like three hundred bucks, but I'll I'll never forget misremembered on that day. He was a horse. I was I wanted to I was training point given, and um, I wanted to breed a mare to him, and I I I hadn't had much luck in the breeding business, so I thought the only way I'm going to get a good mare. I looked to the catalog and this guy was having a dispersal and he had a mare that had won the, uh, she was 17 years old, grade one winner. And I, when I was first getting in the game, I saw her sell at Barrett's. I saw her, Jack Lamberg trained the mother. She won the Del Mar debutante, mile on the 16th, Renard Pomona, or, and she beat Light Light. She beat Light Light, that good filly. So I saw her, and and she's 17. It's January, and she's empty. She's been barren. 
So I'm, uh, so I said, so I called John Secura and I know John Secura. I says, I want to buy that. I want to, what do you think she's going to bring? I said, there's, I don't know, she's not going to bring much. So, so I'm actually at my friend, this George, I call him Pizza George, uh, George Jacobs, and uh, where I live there. And, and I'm on the phone and I'm bidding on her and I get her for $8,000. So I go, and then I sit down there and I, I've been doing my homework for a month on this mare, okay? I'm going through all these mares and I, I fell on this mare. All of a sudden I'm sitting there, I says, I says, uh, were, were you, what were you doing? Because yeah, I walked outside. Oh, I just bought a broodmare for $8,000. And he goes, really? And he goes, and we'd, had, we'd owned another horse together. He says, can I take half of her? Ah, sure. You know, what the hell? You know, 4000 bucks. So, uh, so I was going to breed her to Point Given. And so I called uh, Sakura. And I said, I want to breed this mare to Point Given. I said, and he says, don't do that. I said, why don't you breed her to Candy Ride? It was his first ear Candy Ride. And he goes, uh, breed her to Candy Ride. I said, I said, uh, yeah, but I can breed a Point Given for nothing. He said, I'll give you the breeding. So thank God <laughs> he told me to breed a candy ride <laughs> and um so then i had him so we had him and i i sent him to arizona i i he was fold and he was a little bit crooked and the vets at in you know in kentucky they want you to put you see he needs screws and this i said no i don't put screws in you guys you guys get them all messed up and you straighten them out so you can sell them leave him alone he was born that way leave him alone so i brought him there i brought him to Arizona turned him out at my buddy's some quarter horse farm, and I, then I sent him to Arizona to be broke. And this guy was telling me, you know, this horse is not bad. I sent him three horses. One filly I thought would be a runner, and the other one, and and misremembered. I thought he was sort of a weird looking horse. He says he's the best one in the crop. I think he's a good horse, really, ma'am. So. I brought him out and he hurt himself. He did something to it. He got like a, I think he had like a high suspensory. He did something, a tibia. I don't know. It's something not, not something minor. So I sent him to my friend's place, his quarter horse buddy of mine who trains horses. And he gets me a great rate out there. It was like $12 a day. Okay. He's turned out with quarter horses. And so he's a two year old. So he's out there. So, about, and I told George, I said, oh, we'll send him out there for a couple months. So all of a sudden, George goes, hey, it's been, it's been five months. How about that horse? I go, oh, yeah, that's a, I forgot about that. He's out there at the, at the, the my buddy Jaime Gomez, and, uh, and he named him uh, Misremembered because Remember the baseball player, the Rocket? Um, uh, the pitcher? Uh, yeah, the pitcher. The yeah, pitcher, yeah. The Rocket. Uh, Roger Clemens? Yeah. Roger Clemens. Well, it was during that time when he, uh, when they told him, when they were asking him questions, well, so-and-so 
said that you did that. And he said, well, he must have misremembered. And that's how he got his name. So, so Roger, so Roger Clements happens to be a good friend of the guy that introduced me to George. And he was, a, he was also a pitcher. Uh, and so, so all of a sudden this horse in the, uh, he tells Roger, he says, by the way, there's a, there's a horse named after you. And they named him misremembered. And he says, I hope that horse can't run. (laughs) 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 And and so, uh, and here he comes, he wins that deal. And so I'd sort of like, and you know, that horse was, he was so much fun when the, you know, went over a million dollars. So I see, so I've, I've bred a grade one winner, you know, and so uh, I've, I've done it all except, I'd, I'd like to breed a Kentucky. You, you Derby. I'd like to breed a Kentucky Derby winner. Well, I'd, I'd imagine that you have some uh, with all the good horses you've trained. You got some stallion shares, don't I? would imagine it's some of these horses you try to breed one at some point. I breed them. I usually sell them, but I I, I always get fillies. I, I get fillies, and I uh, but it, it's a tough. You know what? That that breeding business. It's tough business. You know they. You you breed them and they're foals. They get sick and it's, things happen to them. And it, it's not, you know, you 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 have to go through a, there's a lot of horses to find them. You know, it's, that's why it's uh, sometimes it's better just to buy them as yearlings. I think a behind the scenes person that I think most I think people that are pretty entrenched in the game know about, but your relationship with Donato Lani and 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 the you know you guys teaming up and. And this venture that you had mentioned earlier with uh, with Jack Wolf and that kind of Starlight West plan, which um, you know I'm, I'm friends with Jack Wolf and with uh, Tom Ryan, and, and so I'm always excited when when that kind of venture that they they thought up a couple of years ago to send a bunch of colts to you and try to make stallions, and it, it it seems that and that first crop they sent you, they got what three stallion deals out of the whole situation, so. How did that all come about? And, and obviously that's probably been a lot of fun for you to, to take part in. Yeah, it was uh, Donato told me, um, you know, I, I got to know Tom Ryan through, uh, I've, I've known him for a few years, didn't know him that well, but he was part of SF and part of the Justify, um, uh, you know, ownership. And they sent me some horses and um, I actually when I split up with Kaleem, when Kaleem Shaw and I, when we split up, um, we, uh, they said, Hey, uh, would you uh, be interested in, you know, and, and we have this thing that we're going to do and Donato explain it to me. We're just going to buy Colts and, uh, and we're going to, the part of the process is it's going to be Donato, um, uh, his name is Henry. Uh, he's from Australia. Um, I can't think of his name off the bat, but uh, really sharp guy, you know. And so, and Tom Frankie brother is going to help. So, so you got all these, you know, it's like all these scouts, and and you're going to train, just going to buy nothing but Colts, and we're going to. I thought that's. A, I think that's great. That's a great idea. I just, I'm I'm in, and so I show up, and they're shortlisted, and so. Donato's got a list of his, Tom's got a list, Henry. And um, so we all look at them and we, we all have to sort of 
agree on it. Sometimes we don't agree on certain horses. They'll look at me, and I'm there mainly as, what do you think? Well, I don't, he might be too heavy. I don't know if he can handle that, you know, or if he can, if they could be a little crooked, maybe I can handle that, whatever. But, um, but it's, it's really great when you have different uh, people, you know, looking at you're you're getting help you know so it's like um and then we decide what what they're going to give you know gavin murphy he's the one that uh he's like the 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 brains of the operation you know he's uh uh to gather everybody up but working with uh tom and uh and jack is so much fun i mean it's a fun group and they have a lot of fun the sf uh, the Starlight people are a lot of fun, and uh, they just enjoy it. You know, they have a passion for it, and you know they don't own like a big piece of a horse, but uh, but they have a lot of action, and uh, and it gets spread out. It it was a great idea. I mean, the idea is phenomenal. I mean, it's uh, and I think the first year, I think they spent, I think we bought ten million, so they spent like eleven. By the time you break them and everything, and not all of them make it to the races, you know. You have, but you have to buy the numbers. But uh, we got some good ones out of it, and so um, hopefully, it uh, we got some nice materials coming coming in. They're just starting to work. There's a we got a few there that look really like I've got one in Saturday called Spielberg. I think he's going to be a nice horse, you know, and so. Um, and Freedom Fighter, he won. He was the first one that won the other day. That, but, but I think Donato came up with the, the Avengers name because because uh, he came up to me and said, "There's a list of horses." I says, "This is here's we, here's a list. Here's my list. This is the Avengers list. This is we're, we're looking at this horse for the Avengers. You know, we because they they." they there's two types of horse we're looking. We're looking for horses that are, they want a horse that he's got to have the pedigree. He's got to have the physical, but he's got to have the pedigree. And so, uh, because that's the whole thing. If they win a grade one or something, they're going to be worth a lot of money, you know, you know, they, so they have to carry the pedigree. So, uh, and it's, it's been a good, it's been a lot of fun, you know, and, um, um, and we still, you know, have authentic. And uh, unfortunately, Charlatan was so excited. I mean, God, he's so fast. And so, uh, but we're, um, it, it, it's a fun group, you know, and so. Um, Bob, I, I, I would imagine that as a guy who's running horses all over the country and you're, you know, they're there, they're here, they're there. You can't always be there. Um, and we'll talk about Jimmy Barnes and how important he is to that operation. But I would imagine that watching the race and listening to the race call is, is it probably matters to you. And, and, uh, I know you got a relationship with Frank Maramati and the story with American Pharaoh. Well, Frank Maramati, we go way back. I, I love Frank. He's not only, he's, he's a, you know, he's a great announcer, but he's a smart guy. And he is, he is a, one of the funniest guys I've ever met. You know, not only does he do all those voices, but he does. He he still can't do Bob Baffert. He says he can, but it's pretty weak. But his his Wayne Lucas is the best. So we're um, we're we're getting ready to run American Pharaoh, and um, 
for the uh, Arkansas Derby. So I call him about two hours before the race. And he goes, uh, what's going on? He says, Frank, now, you know, when American Pharaoh runs now, if, if he breaks, if everything goes right, people are going to be listening to this for the next three weeks. They're going to be playing it over and over. So you better really, you know, you better have a, you know, you better think of something, you know, give it a, make it a, one of your best calls because they're going to be playing it. He says, uh, I says, why do you, th- what, why? He says, if he breaks good, it's, it's going to be a beat down. He says, it's going to be a beat down? He says, yes. All right. I'll, okay. Okay. Thanks for the heads up. So he says when he hangs up the phone, they're getting ready to load in the, in the stake race. He says he got so nervous that he forgot the names of the horses that are in the race because he's thinking about American Pharaoh and how he's going to prepare for it. And it was so funny, but it was one of his best calls. I mean, I got goosebumps when he said, when American Pharaoh turned for home, and he's just in a lope. He's just coming around. And when he says, Victor Espinoza hasn't asked the question, but we all know the answer. I mean, that was a classic. And he just takes off, you know. And so, um, uh, and then afterwards, he goes, he, I call him up. I go, Frank, you just, you killed it. Did I kill it? Yes, you killed it. He was, you know, because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of uh, announcers, you know, it's a lot of pressure for them, you know, uh, you know, when, when they, uh, and I've talked to a lot of them, you know, like, you know, even Larry Colmos before the uh, American Pharaoh Triple Crown, I said, are you ready? You know, when he first arrived there a few days out, I said, you better, are you ready for a good call? He said, I'll be ready. If you have them ready, I'll be ready, you know? So, and sometimes it doesn't work out. I've had announcers tell me I've had the great call set up and everything just didn't happen. <laughs> it fell apart, you know, and you can almost tell it by the announcer, you know, but, uh, but um, it, it's, 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 it's there. That, I think announcing is a tough job. You know, have you ever gone to the Derby museum and they have a little announcer? I have, yeah. They yeah. got the little announcer's booth and they have these horses and I go in there and I hit it and I start calling the race. I can't go a quarter of a mile without screwing it up, you know? And so I just, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. You know, I, it's people don't realize you, you have to be a pretty intelligent person to be, to have, to memorize colors, names and, 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 and get the flow and no understand, you know, how the race is shaping up. Like the top, right. like the, like uh, Trevor Denman, he, to me, he was like, you could, he could call a race to a blind man because he could see it develop and he's, he'd pick horses up coming. I would always listen to him during a race. He, they're coming and, and I hated when he said one of my horses was not finding. That's, that's, a, that's a, <laughs> a nice way you tell the guy you're, you're done. You go ahead. You can just head back to your car, you know. So, uh, but it's it's one of those things where I really I think the announcer is very important to tracks. I've always said that, you know, because uh, uh, they tell the story and 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 they get people interested and and guys like the Tom Durkins and you want to build the race up when they start coming for home. Trevor was the best when, you, especially if you'd see two horses turning for home. And this is the this is what we the race we've been waiting for, and they're coming down, they're going 
you know, the, the calls and like Trevor Deadman's and Yada call in the Breeders' Cup. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, Tom Durkin, real quiet on the photo. He says, they say a picture's worth well, a thousand, was it a thousand words? This one's worth five million dollars because that was the bonus. I mean, he, he yeah. pulled that one out. You know, where did he pull that one out of? But, but uh, the thing about like, Tom- no, that's my. I'm with you. It's my favorite. The the race call is so important to me. No matter where I'm at, um, you talk about the Derby Museum and that little booth where you can call your own race. I actually did that. I actually did that with Travis Stone. We were hanging out. I was uh, Travis and I are friends, and we were hanging out at the Derby Museum. He was speaking at this thing, and I was in town. And he called a race on that thing, which was actually funny—a a race that ha- had already happened. Do you have a favorite race call? And I, I'll 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 tell you mine while you think of yours. But one of my favorite race calls ever was Tom Durkin when Uncle Mo came back after he had the stomach issue, and he was running in the Kelso against Jackson Ben. And, uh, it was in the slop and they ran really fast and, and, uh, and Tom Durkin said, he's back. And it's one of my, it gives me chills when I still listen to it because I had loved that horse so much. And then he, you know, he had kind of gone to the sidelines and then come back. Do, do you have one that, that kind of stands out to you as one of your favorite race calls? You know what? I've, I've, I've heard so many of my own, you know, I, I can't think of, um, uh, I, I, See, so sometimes when they're of my own races, I am so into the race that it, sometimes I don't hear it. You know what I mean? At the end, because it's so loud, I, I don't hear it. But um, Arrogates, Arrogates in Dubai was really good. Yeah, that, that was good. He, he called him the big A. The big Yeah, that was cool. But I, I was like in shock. I, I was numb because I couldn't believe he won. But I, I really think that Zenyatta call was was really because uh, I was in the race and all of a sudden my horse was, was I had a nice horse in there and, and he's not running and, and, and I had the owner next to me, uh, Arnold Zetcher. And um, so all of a sudden my horse is done. He's, he's not running. And I see the mare coming. I see her colors and she just sort of goes by us. It gives us a little bump, like get out of my way. You know, <laughs> there was a, there was like, like she just made her own hole, you know, and she comes and I go, and I go, I, go, I, 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 I hit him and Jill. I go, look at the mayor. It's, I told Jill, look, the mayor's coming on the outside, you know, to, uh, and all of a sudden we all start, we all start yelling and screaming. And my owner, he thought I was talking about his horse and he starts screaming for his horse, making maybe he thought I saw something he didn't see. I said, no, it's the mare. You know, it's like, and it was so exciting. That was one of my, I'll tell you what, I've seen three Breeders' Cups that were unbelievable. I was there for when uh, Arazi won at uh, Churchill Downs. That was an unbelievable breeder when he won that. I mean, I was there. I just got in the business. Unbelievable uh, performance by him. Then Zenyatta, and then uh, uh, when Arrogate ran down, uh, uh, those are my three. I mean, where you left there like, wow. You know, like you yeah. you just saw something that's just incredible, you know. And, and 
and and that's what you like to see. That's what people, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're, we all want those. We don't want those where they get out there and gallop around there. And, you know, you want to see when the horses all show up, you know, unfortunately at the Breeders' Cup, it's a long year. They can't all show up, you know, some of them will, but most of them, they're tired. They're, it's at the end there. They've, you know, they've been, you know, going all year long, but, uh, but those calls are so important to me. I think, uh, there's certain tracks, you know, you hear the calls and, ah, you know, it, 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 it's so important to have a, a, a really good race caller. And we, so we talked about, you know, you being, um, you know, you're running horses all over the place. And, and I, I think that one of the constants I I've always noticed when I'm watching those situations is that, yeah, you know, even when you are there, uh, there's someone who always seems to be in all those pictures and that's, uh, your assistant, longtime assistant, Jimmy Barnes. What does Jimmy mean to the operation? Jimmy is one of the hardest workers. This guy is so dedicated and he's so competitive and, um, he he loves to go on the road because it's it's hard for us. One of us got to stay, and and he 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 knows everybody. When he gets there, he knows the barns. He knows people. We go to certain barns. He's made friends with all these people all these years. They they love him. They get there. Um, he uh, you know any any town we go any track. He 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 calls the vets, and he's very he just. He's just a, he's a perfectionist. You know, he makes sure everything is perfect. Everything goes well. We got there. We, you know, he knows the horses really well. He's got the routine down. He just, and he loves to go on the road. And you know what? To him, that's his, you know, usually if I'm there, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm there. And, 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 and so I, all the, the, all, everybody wants to talk to me, but when he is there, it's like he won the race and I love watching Jimmy. And if you watch him, especially when they interview him, he does a little dip. He's, he, he'll be talking. He does a little dip when he's excited and he's doing the dip, you know, the Jimmy dip, we call it. But, um, he, he's just, he just, you know what? He is just the greatest guy. He's a never, never complains. He goes there. Uh, he's, um, he's just passionate for it. You know, he loves the game. I mean, he just, and he works so hard. I mean, he puts, I, and I, I keep telling him, you need to take a week off. You go, he, he doesn't want, he'd go crazy. You know, he's just like, uh, I, I used to get mad at him when he first start, came to work for me. I'd, I'd see him and he'd be raking, he'd be raking. I go, what are you doing? He says, I'm raking. I said, I never want to see a rake in your hand again. I said, I want, you're not here. I didn't hire you to rake. I hired you to be my assistant to watch these horses. But that's, he's got this, he's so much energy, but, um, He's just, I feel, I don't have to worry. When he's on the road, I don't have to worry about anything. I know they're, you know, he gets attention. He gets the right people. You know, sometimes if you don't take a gallop boy, he goes into a barn. Everybody knows him. He's very well liked. Um, and so, um, and, you know, he, he gets, we get great results, you know. And so, uh, like the other day when, you know, when that horse won, uh, like uh, uh, improbable, you know. He was just like I could just tell in his voice, you know. He's been he's had a hard he's had a hard couple of weeks, you know. The 
you know, after what happened at Oakland Park and everything, and, you know, it was just a little honest mistake there that happened and um, about the those patches and all that stuff. So it, it's it's been really wearing on him because he just feels like, you know, he just let everybody down. But everybody's behind him. All my owners, they love Jimmy, you know. Um, and so they, they know my everybody that, you know, and he's – I th- I always say if there was a Hall of Fame for assistant trainers, he'd he'd be in there immediately. I mean, you know, it's funny you mentioned that is is we see the success of all these, um, you know, former assistants of people. You see this, you know, the success of Michael McCarthy, obviously working with Todd and George Weaver working with Todd and Lucas and Maker and Kieran and just the 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 kind of the coaching tree of of trainers. But I've always I've always said that it speaks volumes about your operation that. Jimmy has stayed around because with his credentials, uh, I don't think he would have problems getting horses if he were to go out on his own. I mean, is it, I mean, do you ever worry about that or do you just feel like your relationship is, I mean, obviously I'm not saying you're taking it for granted, but do you just feel comfortable in your relationship with Jimmy that, that he'll, he'll be with you and until the end? Well, I think with Jimmy, we're like brothers. And the thing is, it's, it's almost like Scott Blasey and Steve Ashton you know, we, we have that kind of relationship where we, we, they're like, they're part of the operation, you know, and, and the thing about it is that, you know, you know, people have asked me once you go, well, I would, if somebody offered me a, you know, a private job, they'd have to pay me, you know, a lot of money, whatever, but, but he knows it's, he he is spoiled with the horses that we've had run through that barn. And once you've had that, you know, working he to him, it's the is working with those good horses. I mean, he he's, that he just loves it. You know, he's uh he likes going in there and, and he's the guy, you know. He was uh I remember one time Oaklawn, I sent a couple horse one year we sent some horses and they probably didn't fit, you know. And they they were the favorites and the my horses go there and he came back. He says, Hey, man, you can't send me with those kind of horses. You got to send me with better horses in there. He says, I know. And he says, Bob, they were booing me. <laughs> he said they were booing. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I won't do that. So, so he's always, he's always telling me, he said, like, don't put me on the road unless you've got a really good one. I mean, and, and sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, it, they won't run well or whatever, but you know, that's why everybody said, well, you're, you know, you manage your horses pretty well, but we, you know, it, it, it's, it costs a lot of money to send them there and, and to go there, but we want to make sure that when we, we do go, you know, it's a lot of work. And uh, so when Jimmy, uh, when, when he wins, uh, it's just, I can just tell his, he, he just comes back the next, when he flies back in here, Oh, he's just, flying around the shed row, you know, he's like, uh, he's the guy, you know, and I give him a lot of credit because, you know, a lot of guys don't give their assistants credit, you know, um, and, but I always give him a lot because he deserves it because he works hard and he's, um, and we're a good fit We're we've just always gotten along and, um, and he's funny, you know, we, we have a, he knows I would never fire him. You know, he's got a job for life with me. And um, and if he ever left, it would be, God, I would, you know, I'll never forget this poor guy. I came back a few years ago. 
I'm coming back from September cell. I've been there for 10 days, just solid, just exhausted. I'm on the plane. And I turned my phone off halfway. I turned my phone on for a little bit. It's a morning flight. And I get a text from a friend of mine. Is Jimmy okay? And I go, I, why, why are you asking? He says, he, they just took him off in the, in the ambulance. And this is what have been like at 630 in the morning. And so, um, no, I'm on a plane. I'm coming back. What happened? And my first thought was he had a heart attack or something, you know? I, and so I thought, oh my God, I'm thinking all these horrible things. And he said the horse, the pony stumble rolled over him and he, and he couldn't, they took him and it turned, turned out he broke his pelvis and then they, he almost bled to death at the hospital and they moved him to another hospital. I mean, I almost lost him. So, um, so I finally, I get there, I go see him in the hospital that night and the doctor shows up and his pelvis is broken in half and, and, uh, just, they're going to have to, why well, put, he's got like three bars in there or whatever, you know? And so, and he's sitting there. So the next day he's supposed to go and take West coast to the Pennsylvania Derby in Abel Tasman. And, and I get there, I go, Jimmy, are you okay? And he's, and he's like, he tells me, I, f I feel like I've let you down. I says, I feel horrible. I've let you down. I says, and I told him, you feel horrible. How about me? I have to go to Pennsylvania. <laughs> I got to take the Lord's Pennsylvania Derby now. I just got back from, you know, we joked about it, but, um, but it, it was, he just, he just, a. Uh, but he's got a, he's, he's a, he's, he's a great guy. And, and Dana, his wife, who has worked for me for years and years, she was like the greatest, one of the greatest, uh, uh, work writers and exercise writers, you know? And so, um, so it was, you know, and so I showed up and everybody's where's Jimmy. I said, it's, you don't get Jimmy, you get me. Sorry. You know, but, um, but <laughs> every, everywhere he goes, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's well liked and, uh, and he works hard, but he's, he's sharp, you know, he sees things and he, he picks up on things and, you know, he's my eyes and ears. And so, uh, but he's, a uh, just a great guy. Bob, you have, uh, you've, you know, you've obviously had a ton of success and, and, uh, one of the things that I've always recognized when, when I'm as a better, when I'm betting on your horses or is that I know that if, if they've made it to the races, because I feel like compared to like a Chad Brown, right? Everything works in the bridle. They don't beat each other in works. They're always just kind of galloping around there. Like, I feel like your horses, um, they work. They, they, you know, you take talented horses and you try to make them the best that you possibly can. Very similar to other great coaches in sports. It's, 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 it, they push their great athletes and, and, uh, they get the best out of them. Um, do you feel like your the way you train your horses is significantly different than other people, or do you? I mean, do you, or do you or do you feel as if everyone's kind of doing what you're doing, and and you you just have maybe a couple of things here and there that are different? Well, I came from the quarter horse background, where everything is about the two year old, 
and um, young horses, getting them ready early, uh, and and they have to run in a trial race, and then a week. Now they give them two weeks, but in the old days, you run in a trial race, qualified top eight. You know, there'd be like sixty horses in there, and the, they pick the eight fastest. Then they got to come back a week later and then run a better race to win the thing. So you learn to get them ready. So when they do run in a trial race, they're not going to be completely knocked out. No, the bounce, you know, I never knew what bounce was until I got to the thoroughbred business, you know. So, um, so a lot of my horses like Charlie Whittingham, uh, you know, his horses didn't bounce because you know, he trained hard, but he, and he told me those good horses, they, you need to train them because they, uh, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll give you everything they've got. And if you don't have them fit, they can hurt themselves, you know? So the, uh, but a, a lesser horse, if you train him too hard, he's just not gonna, he's not gonna, he, he, they can't take the training. They're really classy horses. So, uh, so I think, before I run a horse, they have a pretty good foundation into them. So when I do start running them, they, they're they ready for it. So, um, you know, I like to keep, put a couple of gate works into them. Maximum security, if I would have, I almost put a gate work into them, but I didn't want to. He would have been sharper, you know. And But I, I figured he was good enough to win the San Diego um, just by what I'd seen him work, you know. And so... You know, I think certain horses, and I and I've, I think I'm a better trainer today than I was five years ago. You know, I really think that. You know, so uh, I, you, um, you have to adapt. You have to adapt to the surface that you're dealing with, the track, and the horses. You know, you can't train them all the same. Some need a little extra time or whatever, but. Um, it's so it's it's a gut. I train by my gut, you know, and that's the way it's always been. And and then managing them, you know, I, I'm dealing with young horses, so there's not, you know, once I get them right, I just start nominate them, and whoever's doing well, that's who gets on the plane. So when they get on the plane, that means they're. I mean, when I first started training, I used to. I was sort of lost there the first year, you know. I didn't know. I had to retrain my mind. Because quarter horses are different how you train. You know, they're not as hard to train because once you get them fit, you just, you don't do much with them in between. But you they have to be really sound because if they're not sound, they won't break. You know, so um, the break is the whole thing. So with me, the break is still very important to me. And so, uh, and I like horses that are, I remember Nick Zito said, you know, you're so lucky. You always have horses that are, lane first second or third where my all my horses they come from way out of it all my good horse they've come from way out of it well i told them come to california and spend a few months there <laughs> they'll be running up up on the lead because that's the only <laughs> you know what i mean so in california we train a little bit quicker there because it, we were it's a little faster pace out here and um that's, that's why i call it california speed is different you know is Bob, is there a race that you haven't won yet that you want to win? Um, I'm trying to think. You know that I had never won the Clement Hirsch. I just found that out the other day. I won. The- <laughs> I'm sure someone reminded you. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think um, 
Bodie wants me to win the the race in uh, Australia. What's it called? Uh, oh, the uh, uh, the one they run on a Tuesday where everyone goes crazy. I feel like an idiot for not knowing what it is. I'll think of it. It'll come to me. Yeah, the two mile the Melbourne Cup. The Melbourne Cup. Bodie always says I need to win the Melbourne Cup, but uh, I, that's not going to happen. So um, I'm telling you, you know what you should do is you should try to stick at the Wesley. Get a couple two year olds and and pop over at Ascot. He that would ruin his day, I'm sure. You know what? I I thought about going to ask. I was going to go to Ascot one year, and um, but I want to go to Ascot on full scholarship. I was going to go when I trained for Thurber. <laughs> Chris was going to send me over there, and we were going to do all this stuff and this and that, and and then and and then uh, that that sizzled out. The poor guy, he. He he passed away on me after War Emblem won the won the uh, Derby. So, uh, but it was one of those things where I would love to go. To me, I, I I would love to go to Ascot and ride. To me, the best part is the the beginning, like when they come in in the little in the little buggies. Yeah. And uh, I was being interviewed. I was over there for some Arrogate Horse of the Year one year with Pharaoh and I. I made a mistake and I, I told the guy that, you know, I like Ascot. What do you like about Ascot? I come you don't run a horse. I'd like to come out, but I'd like to come out in one of those wagons, you know? <laughs> and, and he looks at me like, excuse me, sir? Did you say wagon? Well, you know, those whatever, those uh, little, uh, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, on the wagons, you know. So, um, but, you know, that would be, to me, that would be, that would be so cool to come out in one of those uh, carriages, you know. I thought, so like you said, I mean, oh. the five eights on the turf, you can a dirt horse. A dirt horse can win one of those. You get him out of the gate. Wesley was a quarter horse race. Ward told me that uh, that uh, that Justify would have been great on that on that mild turf race. He said he would have been. He would have smoked them, but. Um, it would it would be interesting. I've actually thought about it, you know, but uh, going over there, I you know, uh, I think Mark Cassie he won probably the most uh, when he won with that race with that mare. That was unbelievable. I mean, that was yeah with Teppen. Yeah, that was yeah. I mean, that was like uh, matter of fact. I heard that the Queen after that she said that that's probably been the that that's been the best American horse to win a proper race here. That that was her. Uh, wow. You know. She won. She won on your undercard. Uh, your Pharaoh Derby undercard tapping one. She was ten to one that day. She's unbelievable, man. Unbelievable, man. And after actually, his, was really- her owner, Bat Masterson. He's he's part of the Avenger Group now, so he lives down here, Del Mar. So he. Oh, is he? Yeah. So he's he's great. He's he's, a, he's an animal, by the way. Oh my gosh, he's a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> he's him. I can only imagine him and Jack Wolf together. But uh, that's uh, he's down. Gotta be. That, I mean that that, uh, that that Ascot. I'm I I love coming home, and I I I don't like, I don't want to hear the results. And I put on my I put the show on and watch it. And it's just really it's just the uh, it's just to watch it when the Queen comes in there. I after she's gone, I don't know how it's going to be without her, you know, she just makes it, uh, it's, it's so exciting. It was sort of weird to watch this year, but, uh, it, but everything is so weird this year. Of course. Of course. You know, 
I, I, rem- I watched this HBO special recently with like Belichick and Saban where they, I don't know if you've seen it yet. You would enjoy it if you haven't. Um, and it's just this thing where they just kind of, you know, it's like talking shop, coaching football. H- have you ever sat down with Aiden O'Brien and talk shop? I mean, obviously what you guys do is completely different, but the one thing that's not different is that you're dealing with uh, the highest level of horses in your country um, running in the biggest races with uh, expensive bloodstock. I mean, have you guys ever sat down and really kind of chopped it up or has it always just kind of been informal conversation? Yeah, I've talked to him about the, uh, about he's, we talked about the, uh, we talked about dirt racing and he says, I don't know how you do it. That is so hard. I don't know how you can keep them around, you know, it's, you know, because it's difficult where the turf, they, they stay, they, they stay, the turf isn't as hard on them. You know, it's, 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 you don't have to train as hard and they, and they can, uh, they can train, uh, you know, they can, they can train a lot. Uh, it's, they, they last longer, you know, it's soft on them, you know, so uh, we're dirt, where dirt racing is so, um, oh, you're here. It, it, it's tougher on them. All right. Yeah, it's it's you know it's obviously it's just a different ball game, but you know nonetheless it's still uh, it's still pretty interesting. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with his son, um, and he's you know because I was asking about how they train the uh, the turf horses, and um, what's his son's name? It's um, um, Bodie? Jo- jo- Joseph O'Brien. Joe, Joe, yeah, Joe? Joseph, yeah. Joseph O'Brien and I was I was picking his brain uh, at the uh, at the September sale. I said, Joseph, I need some tips on turf training. <laughs> and I, I I sat him down there, and it was pretty interesting the way they 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 train him. He was telling me how they uh, how they get him ready and how they ship and and how they uh, how they do it. It's I'll tell you what, Aiden O'Brien, what he does is is just incredible. That operation. The way they just go to all these places, they show up and they just dominate, you know, and they just, and these horses, it's, and they're around for years and years, you know, you you see these horses running and running, but I mean, talk about a lot of pressure, you know, that's, that's, you know, they're, they get them on a plane, they go here, they go there. They're just always on the move. And, um, and my, my brother, Bill, he said he went, he went there last year and he wasn't there, but. He went to the, the the training center, and he said that my brother noticed that out, outside each horse stall, there's like a dispenser for a hand sanitizer, and every groom has to sanitize their hands before they work on the next horse. You know, and I thought, you know what, that's a good idea. And I, you know, what I've noticed about this during this COVID is that we have not had any sick horses. I don't know. It's coincident. Oh, wow. I don't know what it is, but usually we have a lot of young horses. They get sick down here. We get older horses there. You always hear, oh, there's a, there's a virus going through. Nothing. They're, these horses are not getting sick. Knock on wood. But um, it's pretty amazing that, uh, that uh, you know, so, you know, that's, you know, I, I wanted to get those. I wanted to put them up in my barn, you know, as soon as you can get them. But that, I'm that I think we've learned from this that, um, you know, that 
I think the grooms, you know, they one sick horse, and all of a sudden it's going through your barn because because these guys are all, you know, they're not, you know, they're not sanitizing their hands like the before, the gloves, and everything else, you know. Yeah, I never thought about that. That makes a ton of sense. I mean, you know, I've always, uh, um, funny enough, I actually came and saw Pharaoh. Uh, Frank brought me, Miramati brought me, way, like way, you know, right after he had won the Triple Crown. And uh, and I, I've always, you know, I've seen horses. I've hung out in barns and stuff, and I've always thought about that. Like, I wonder if, you know, the guys going from one to the other and touching these horses, does that matter? I mean, if I touch one horse, am I carrying a, a cold to another horse. I've always, I've always thought about that. It's interesting. I'm, it's an interesting point. Yeah. I, that's why I was always, uh, every time we'd go to, uh, on these triple crowns when we, with Pharaoh and justify, I have a, uh, I have a code. We'll always get a, there's a password. I'll, I'll have a password that nobody's allowed unless they know the password. If I'm not there or if Jimmy's there, and so, because there's a lot of people will come by and say, hey, I'm a friend of Bob. Bob said I could come see the horse. And then Jim would say, well, what's the password? Uh, I don't know. Well, sorry. <laughs> Get out of here. You know, so, so because there's a lot of people, you know, they, they sneak in there and they want to, and uh, you have to be really careful because you don't want people touching that horse. We didn't like, you know, because they can get sick or they can, you know, we, that we kept them under during that during that time, especially horses like that, and um, and but uh, it was it was so funny. I one time uh, I got a call from one of the NBC guys. He says we need the password. Jimmy won't let us in the barn. They want to put a camera up there. And I go, sorry, dude, I can't give it to you. <laughs> you know, like, and so. Um, they were, you know, but Jimmy, he, he's like, he's, I'm the good cop. He's a bad cop, you know? And so, uh, but Jimmy's really, he's really good about it. Like he goes, ah, these guys that keep coming in here. I, I, I ran him out of here. I said, oh, and like, you know, he's, he's tough, you know, but you have to be, uh, you, you know, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, you're, you're trying to win. Like I told Belichick, I said, I said, you imagine if you're on the field on Super Bowl and you're walking up and you got some guy that's drunk and his girlfriend, they want to take a selfie with you while you're trying to, you know, I said, that's what I have to deal with on race day. I said, you imagine that? I said, oh, you know, and so. Um, I'm trying to imagine Belichick trying to process that situation. Yeah. So I said, that's, that's a difference. And you're, and I, and you want to, I want you, you don't want to, be rude and sometimes you know you have to be you know like sorry i can't do it i'm in a hurry but you don't want to jinx yourself and be rude because you know they're, they're fans and they just want to you know they want to enjoy everything and but uh it, it it's it's the thing of uh you know it's it's tough on like i remember we went to the year one year with michael lunn who owns gamine we had more spirit. We had him in the Derby and I don't know. I was, he was sort of a long shot and he was sort of, I ah, wasn't doing as well as I thought, you know, and he was just sort of backing off on us and it was probably too far for him. But, but we had, uh, he brought these friends of his and George Strait, the singer, he was with us. And, uh, George Strait, we were, he, we, we did the walk together. They want to do the walk. We're walking down and, uh, 
and George Strait, he was like, uh, he couldn't believe it. I said, we're walking down, and nobody said, hey, George Strait. And then, hey, Bob, go get him, Bob. He said, it's like, uh, I said, hey, these are, he said, these, are, these, are, these are serious fans here. They're like, uh, they probably thought, who's the guy in the black cowboy hat? You know, must be. You know. <laughs> but, um, but he said, he, it, he couldn't believe. He said, doing that walk, he says, you know what? He said, I've been to the Derby a dozen times. It's like being backstage at a, at a Rolling Stones concert, you know. But doing that walk, going from the barn and walking up with all those horses, he said, wow, that was just a total. I never realized what goes through, you know, everything, the preparation, you know, they don't they don't realize what, you know, the uh, that's the first time he ever felt like, wow, this is some this is something big, you know. Bob, if tis the law. Wins a derby in the Preakness, do you think that it that accomplishment stands equal to that of American Pharaoh and justify if he wins them all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, I, I think you can't take it away from him. I mean, that means he was the best horse and, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's different. You know, the mile and a half is the, um, my, my son Bodie had an idea the other day. He says they should make the Preakness a mile and a half. <laughs> he said, uh, and, um, but I, I think if he wins all three of them, I think that's pretty, it takes a pretty good horse to win all three. You know, it, it's different. It's not just yeah. because he didn't do it. You know, that what made the Triple Crown uh, so different is that so tough is that uh, the spacing, you know, if, if they, if we had the spacing before we would have had a lot of triple crowns, you know, spectacular bid uh, and uh, you know, a lot of horses, you know, we would have had a lot of, a lot of horses. It's not the same, you know, uh, but I'm not one to judge on, on something like that. I mean, if he wins all three, he's, you know, you gotta take your hat off to him. Do you think as a horseman, um, if you were to win the Derby with a number of horses that you have and our friends, the Maryland jockey club, this is not, I mean, obviously it's a, a very, it's a weird year, so I'm not poking fun, but I mean, would, wouldn't you think about skipping the Preakness and just going on to the Breeders' Cup? Oh, I think the, I think the Preakness, it's my favorite race of, of all of them because it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a little bit different this year, but um, I think I would, you know, if I had a horse good enough for the Preakness, I would run in it. I, I, I think the Preakness is a very important race, you know, and so as a three-year-old, I mean, I'd like to get a horse like, you know, Cezanne, you know, um, get him back on track after the way he ran the other day. But uh, I think the... Um, I, I think it's very important, the Preakness. I mean, if, if I have a good three-year-old, I, I would want to win the Preakness. If you're at the Preakness, Bob, where are you eating dinner? Where's your, where's your, where's your spot in Maryland? I've never actually been to the Preakness, so I'm just taking notes. Well, really, there's, there's some nice restaurants there, but we usually, we stay at the, uh, down there by downtown and, uh, there's a, um, 
we eat at the because uh, I always tell the guy they, they've known me over the years. Says if you see, I'll never forget it was the Arab War emblem. Uh, what's the name of that restaurant, Bodie? I don't know. Pimlico, where we eat the steak place. It's called. Um, oh, it's. I just my I've I've uh, Fleming's Fleming's okay here we go so <laughs> War Emblem with Fleming's it's right downtown by the hotel because you're tired it's the end of the day and stuff so we've been in different places but I remember with War Emblem we we ate there two nights before and I told the guy look at Mr Baffert uh, it's really we're really packed and it's hard you know to get in here uh, I need to know what do you need Saturday Saturday night. I said, if, if you see, if I, if I don't win, um, I just need a table for six. If you see that horse cross the wire in front, I need a table for 20. <laughs> he says, you got it. <laughs> so every time we go, now that the, the guy's been there, he says, all right, all right, Mr. Baffert. Six or twenty, we'll be ready. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so that's where we hang out. Looking at Lucky, uh, that was probably a table for twenty. That was one of my favorite. I, um, and you know, and I was, uh, and I know why you did it. I understand more now. I was bummed about uh, Gogo getting taken off because I didn't think he had necessarily done anything wrong. But I, I understood that you were, you, you said it first, you, and, and I've seen you do this before. I've seen you do it since then too, where. You just want to change the luck. Just want to just want to change out the bat. Give me a new football, a new baseball. Um, I I didn't think Mike Smith did anything wrong on McKenzie when he lost because the rail was gold and he stayed down there as long as he possibly could and he just got into some trouble. But uh, looking at Lucky when you switched to Martin, I thought that was that he was that was he was such a good horse. Looking at Lucky. Well, you know what the thing about. There's two times I've taken riders off that I felt really bad about taking them off. I remember I took Mike Smith off of Vindication after he'd won the Breeders' Cup. And we were, he wasn't doing well. We we're going to bring him back. And and the owners, we were talking about, you know, trying to get Jerry Bailey on him because that's when Jerry Bailey was like, you know, he was the, uh, he was the guy. And so, and I remember talking to Mike Smith. And I can still remember that conversation. I went up to him and I said, Mike, I'm sorry, but I got to tell you something. I'm going to take you off that horse. And, and, and Mike is such a gentleman. I'll never forget that. He says, Bob, you know, I understand the pressure you guys are under. Uh, just, hey, just hopefully find me another one someday, you know. That was it. And I walk away like, wow, God, it's just now I really feel bad. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel really bad. And um, and when I told Garrett Gomez, I I see that the reason the thing about Garrett, it really hurt. I loved Garrett, and he was so much fun to, and he was a great rider. But he kept taking him back, you know, Garrett. And some of these guys are more comfortable, you know, want sitting in a certain spot. You know, there's like some riders don't feel good on the lead. You know, they don't feel, you know, they want to be stalking or whatever. Some are better speed riders, whatever. And looking at Lucky, it was uh, he kept taking him back. I said, you know, Garrett, this horse has more speed. You need him. 
you know, and, and the further we go, he needs to be closer to the lead because he's not going to close. You know, he's he's going to, you know, he wasn't really a mile and a quarter horse, you know. But um, so, uh, but a lot of them aren't at that at that stage. So um, it was a Santa Anita Derby, and he took him back again. He had him back there, and he made, and he got stopped. Uh, Victor came over, stopped him, and he got beat. And they didn't want. My owners usually don't get involved, but they didn't want him for the Derby. And I said, I'm not going to do that to him. I'm I'm going to leave him on the Derby. And then I drew the one hole. And I remember talking to Garrett. I said, Garrett, you have to, this one hole, you've got to get out of there. You just got to let him run early. And uh, Calvin Burrell is on Super Saver. He's in about the, we were in the one, Super Saver was in about the five or four. Four, yeah, he was in the four. He was close. I said, he's going to leave there and you are just going to, he's just going to go and you get right behind him. You just leave there. You ask him to go, you get right behind him and you get on top of that rail where he is. Cause back in the day, they don't do it now. They used to leave it hard. That's where Calvin Burrell won those derbies. Cause it was, it was a path that only he had the guts to get on that, that close to the rail. But it was hard, and when everything when it's wet, it's a big advantage. I said, "You follow Calvin Burrell, and he will lead you. You know, he will he he will lead you there. You know." And so um, he left there. He was in a great spot, and all of a sudden, he grabbed him and he pulls him off the rail. And I said, "If you don't, they're going to come get you. They're going to come on top of you because there's." If the middle, if you don't get out of there, that's a da- there's a danger zone there. And so he can't, I, I'm thinking, come on, go, go, Garrett, go, go, don't. And then all of a sudden, Kent DeSormo, he was on the horse that ran third. He sees him down there, and he comes down there and just pushes everybody, and he r- hits the rail, and and uh, and that was the end. Then he came, he ran, got beat four or five lanes, whatever, but it was just sickening that he, you know, if he would have just, I I told him, you follow Calvin Burrell. He will lead you to the promised land, I told him. You get right behind him. <laughs> just get right behind him. You smack on top of him. And believe me, you will, you will, you will, he'll lead you there. And he, and he got, he got off the rail. He didn't do it. And then he got, it, it, it's brutal. You can see that he was doing great until that point. And um, that's why. Uh, Super Saver, he shaved us off, and then the other, um, the horse that ran third, he came over and just pushed us all up into the rail. Yeah, who was that? Patio Prado, maybe. Patio Prado, I think it was. Yeah. So then, I, so then I, and then I, when I told Garrett, I, and I was, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna run looking at Lucky in the Preakness because he came out of it. He was just really just, he was just, just body sore. You know, he was just, you know. Especially when they run the slop like that, it burns their feet. And you know what I mean? There takes them a few days to get over it. And then by Monday, I took him out there, and boy, he just came to life. And I told those guys, I said, "We're gonna, we're gonna, I we're gonna." I sent a text out. I said, "We're gonna, we're gonna run the Preakness, and we're not gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna win the Preakness, uh, the way this horse looks." But I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the rider change and. Um, and I told Garrett, and it was really, t- it was really hard. It was him and his agent, and because I have a lot of respect for both of them, you know. And 
I said, I'm sorry, Garrett. And you know what? Garrett, after that, it sort of it was, I think it hurt him, you know, because it was like he was never, um, he was never the same, you know, it was sort of like, um, it, 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 it bothered me, you know, and I, I'm just, because I really had a lot of respect for them, but the horse, he just, and then Martin, he was riding him and working him, and he knew the horse really well, and, and he went, and Martin was so, he was young, he didn't realize what he had accomplished, you know, because he came from Mexico. You know what he told me? I said, and I told him, watch out for Kent DeSormo. Watch Kent, because you got to watch Kent. He says, watch him in that first turn. And I was, and if you watch the race, they're coming around, all of a sudden he sees Kent, and he just comes right over on Kent. You know, he just, he beats him to this little hole. And and he comes around, he wins the race. And so when, uh, when Martin pulls up, I see him in the winner's circle. I said, hey, Martin. He goes, hey. You see Kent Sarma? You see that? I mean, that's all they can talk about, right? <laughs> and he was like, he didn't realize he just won the pregnancy. He was he was more he was more proud of himself that he beat Kent Sarma to the hole and, and didn't give Kent a chance to to shut him off, you know. But um but it, it's one of those things where um it's just like uh like Victor Spinoza when he won with War Emblem. It was that was that was a crazy thing. I just bought the horse. Had him a month, not even a month, and the prince wanted Jerry Bailey on there, and uh, and then I thought, no, the Jerry Bailey, he wanted to ride the horse, but he wanted more money or something like that. And I go and he 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 give him a call or something. So then uh, the I said, how about Gary Stevens? Well, the horse is a little bit goofy. I don't know. If, uh, I don't know. If, Gary, but I think Gary will bring too much attention to this horse. We need an easy lead. I said, let me put Victor on him. We'll put him on the lead. He'll be a long shot. They'll Nobody will even, if Victor's on him, if I have Gary or Jerry Bailey on him, they're going to be all over him. They're, gonna, they're not going to let him sneak away, you know. And, and and Victor, he just, I told him, look, just put him on the lead. I said, uh, Mike Smith will probably want to go with you, but once if you, once, if you commit, he'll lay off of you. And just sit on him, sit on him, and don't turn him loose till you turn for home. And um, and if you're still in the lead when you turn for home, this is a really good horse. I really that horse is a good horse, but he was just had mental, you know. He he got mad if horses got near him. He just would get mad and wouldn't run. But um, I said, Victor, don't get excited and go, don't jump up and down, you know, before the wire, and you know, and he he stood up right before the wire. I thought, Oh my God, he's going to fall off. You know, I always worry these guys are going to get so excited. They're going to fall off from excitement. You know, it's like, you know, the football player that drops the ball right before he crosses the, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to, it's going to happen, you know? And, and that's one thing about, uh, Mike Smith. He's one, you know, what makes him such a great rider. He's not, he's a great horseman. And when I and and I told him, look at I told Victor, when you ride Pharaoh, don't let him win by very much. Just the the less you win by, the easier the job is for me. And that's why he'd always get a hold of him. He never let him, you know, he'd grab he was so good he could just do that, you know, just let him coast in. And and Mike Smith, I told him that. So when we go to the preakness and he barely wins, right? It's in the fog. 
And when he won, I was like, okay, we won the pregnancy, but uh, there's no triple crown here because that, you know, he looked like he was life and death to win that. And when I went down there, I said, Mike, I go, um, I said, so I said, uh, is he, he think he's had enough? He said, no. He said, that guy was pushing me way out, way out. He didn't, I couldn't, I didn't see him, but he was pushing Mike. Was it a Jose Ortiz? I forget who it was. Uh, was it good magic? Was it good magic? Jose. That was Jose. If it was good magic, it was Jose. Yeah. So we're thinking, what's his name is going to go to the lead? Uh, 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 Bazette had a horse in there with speed. We're going to just sit off of him. Oh, uh, who did Rudy have? Yes, I'm with you. He had that horse for Windstar. Yeah, one horse. He's got a lot of speed. So he's probably going to be. So Mike's sitting out there. He sees a horse come up. He thinks it's Brazette. He looks over. It's Good Magic. So uh, Good Magic is. Uh, all of a sudden, so he just gets away from all some good magic comes to him down the backside. He just keeps pushing him, pushing him out. And he says, pretty soon, I'm out in about the not eight, nine. And I know what he's doing. He's going to push me way out and he's going to cut in. So I said, I had, I didn't want to bump him or anything. So I just took off. So Mike just took off with the five eights pole before he could do that to him. So it was like their own little private match race. It was like really, you know, Jose, he just he he was going for it, you know. <laughs> he was he wasn't going to let him get away, and so. Um, but uh, then when he and when Mike told me that, and then and I, I put him away and those other horses away, he said, uh, and then you told me to take care of him, don't win by too much. And I goes, yeah, but I says I didn't see Lucas's horse coming that fast. <laughs> he said, uh, but uh, I go, thank God, you know, but. Uh, so, um, and I'll never forget, I was back there with Wayne afterwards. We were stable in the same barn talking there. And Wayne goes, I'm going to have a chance to get you next time. I was getting you. And I said, you sure were, Wayne. <laughs> you know, but uh, but I, I felt better because that, when Justify got back to the barn uh, after the Preakness, man, he just looked like, uh, man, he looked so beautiful. It was like nothing for him. He was like, he was a, I've never had a horse Jonathan, that I led him into a barn at Belmont, and all the horses in the in the barn went crazy when he walked in there. There was something about him; he he had a certain personality that is he gave something off like this, you know, like if he was tough. Like they the horses just they 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 come to him and he just they they couldn't run with him, you know. He just he'd just shake them off. He was. He was I had just, I had Rick Hammerly on. Um, on the show and, and we were talking about uh, I always I asked him to tell a story about did you write that race for Bob for for Justify and he's like no no it's not what happened at all I had no idea they were going to run the horse I thought they were going to run him at Sunland and they snuck him in on me because they didn't want anyone else to know he was running there they snuck him in I had no idea he was running there so I no, thought that was a funny story you know what happened is this the um so I'm, uh, I have him in the maiden race, and the new condition book had just come out, and there was a mile allowance race. And then he wins a race, and somebody asked me, I think it was Jeff Siegel, he says, do you have a plan for this horse? I said, oh, yes, I have a plan. I have a, a very good plan. So, um, and I, I knew about that allowance race. So 
so I says, so I told everybody I was going to go to Sunland Park with him. And uh, so Elliot Walden, I said, Elliot, if anybody asks you, it's, it's Sunland Park. We're going to Sunland Park. He said, you got it. And so, uh, so I entered uh, another horse in that race. And at the last, last minute, when they called the final, they're getting ready to draw. We did the switcheroo. We took him out and put this, put him in there. And Hammer had no clue. And no, all of a sudden, he says, "Those the jockey agents when they when they pulled it out, they go number whatever justified." And the agents go like, "Oh, they were like." <laughs> that was like, uh, and then I'll never forget. I was on a plane with John Sadler going to the OBSL. And I'm watching it on my computer. We're sitting, we're in the same, we're sitting next to him in the, in the, and we're watching the race. And then on a plane, it shows you the break and then it goes still. And then it shows you there, then the turn and he's laying second. Oh, that looks good. And then they're down the backside. He's still laying second. And then all of a sudden, it's, it, there's a long, long, I go, God, it, it, we lost the thing. All of a sudden it shows him like he's, seven in front at the eighth pole and it's gone. So I get a text from Jerry Bailey. I said, he sends me a text. Where are you going to go to get points for the Derby? I, and I, and I send back a text anywhere I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, I knew right there, but Hey, he's gonna, and then, and then, Poor McKenzie, he gets hurt. So it was like, uh, it was just meant to happen, you know. And that, that, you know, sometimes things work out for a reason. You know, McKenzie, he would have, he would have trouble with old Justify. Bob, do you typically get, do you get annoyed? You, you mentioned McKenzie. Do you, do you get annoyed or are you happy with the way that the races are stewarded uh, across the country? With what now? How, how like, you know, the stewards, like, are you, do you, do you, do you find yourself annoyed by that process or do you feel like they're doing the best they can do or, or do you feel like there's some changes that can be made when it comes to the stewards? Uh, I think it's, you know, it's, uh, I think what's happened to the stewards is that uh, with social media now, I think they really react to a lot of that, you know, now before the stewards, you could they'd take you down, you'd be downstairs and you'd go like, ah, oh, that was, you know, the call wasn't right or whatever. But, but now I think they worry about what people say on Twitter and now they're getting, they get more heat, more. Uh, and so sometimes that can change their, you know, I, I always say, you know, if, if, if it's the winner, you know, give the edge to the winner. If, if the horse was like the best horse in the race, you know, if he has an out, give him an out. But if um, I don't like the fact that if if a horse won and he bothered a horse and he won by six, seven lanes and the, and the guy got beat a nose for second, well, the horse was, wasn't going to, they shouldn't take the winner down. You know, they got a, and I think after, after game on dudes and Bayern, after that, I got taken down every time since then because everybody thought they were doing favors for me. And those were great calls, you know. They were calls that were made, you know, the stewards, you know, the game on dude, I thought when I saw it live on the big cap, I thought he was coming down. I told the guys that were coming down. But then when I saw the twirling candy 
started all the bumping. Then I said, well, he started it. That's why it looks so bad. And um, then with Byron, first jump away from there, I mean, you, you didn't have, you didn't have any control. It wasn't on purpose. He straightened him out. But what got shared belief is the horses from the outside came down and just really, that's, that's what I thought they were looking at, came down and, and closed the, they, they boxed Mike Smith in. That's why Mike didn't even claim a foul because, you know, he knew it wasn't the first jump and they boxed him in. He was caught in there and that was it. But, uh, but after that, it was just like McKenzie uh, with Bolt the Oro in the um, San Felipe. Uh, Bolt the Oro, is, it was Castellan runs. Yeah, I think Javier came out. You know, he comes in and runs McKenzie right into the rail. And when he did that, I thought, wow. I said, well, if he beats me, I'm, we're, we're going to be up. And then all of a sudden, Mike comes out, and he comes out, and he gives him a little bump, and then and then he goes down, and then they, they brush again, and we beat him. But you could see he wasn't going to get by McKenzie. He just wasn't going to pass him. And, and they took us down. I was like, and the next day, I go to talk to him. I go, what is your what was your reasoning there? How could you how could you take my horse down after him? That was dangerous what he he ran us right into the rail and the horse hit the rail. He says, "Well, he did that, but then Mike came out and brushed him so that it was even, but then when you brushed him again, that's why we took him down." So if he went so that doesn't make sense. The guy almost put us over the rail at the beginning that caused all the, you know, so, you know what, it's just, it's sometimes, but right now I think a lot of the stewards, um, they, um, they're, I think they're under more pressure because they listen to all the, the chatter that's out there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just a hurting thing here in, in New York. I, I mean, I, I feel like they've, they've kind of given the riders the, the free pass to do that. And uh, they're consistent. I think they're consistently wrong, but they're consistent. I think they're hurting. Uh, it's always been around, but um, there's certain degrees to it. Like the other day, I like I was watching that race in the uh, what was it? Um, the Philly race where? Um, um, yeah, vexatious and midnight bisu. Yeah, well, you know midnight bisu. She had the whole stretch to get by that mare, you know, and she couldn't get by her. You know, and um, and they ran fast. You know, and uh, I, and I and I was I talked to Mike Smith right after the race. And what did you think of that? She says, you know what? She doesn't like Belmont. She doesn't like that track. You know, she has trouble there. And so, um, I mean, not not Belmont, Saratoga. I mean, yeah, Saratoga. Yeah, Saratoga. And so um, she loves Belmont, uh, but uh, she has trouble at Saratoga. So uh, he he said, you know, she just, you know, he. You know, that, that, that happens, you know, they get beat. But uh, I don't think when he came out, it wasn't, it was, you know, like if they would have brushed, you know, if they touched, but that, that wasn't. I think a lot of times when they do that, they're trying to get their horse uh, re-engaged. You know what I mean? So. Uh, right. Right. Um, Bob, I'll, we, we can do this for seven hours. Your Your family's home. You've got a big week ahead of you with the Travers and with uh, also with the test. And uh, I don't want to wear out my welcome. I want to have you again sometime. So well, I'm going to 
I'm going to let you uh, let you get to it. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time. It's been so much fun. It's been really cool for me to have you on. Anytime. And um, good luck with all your uh, giving your winners out. People rely on you. People rely to, to for, on their mortgages on you. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, it's, uh, they rely on you too. Cause when you give, you give me the, uh, the, what is it? The super cherry or the hot, yeah. what is it? The, the super cherry. Yeah. So I had to ask someone what that meant. They meant like, it's like a, like a fast car back in the day. That's what they used to call them. You know what? It was, I heard that, that th- there was a guy one time we had this car and, and the, um, he said he, he fixed it and he brought it in and he goes, well, how is it? And, Oh, it's it's super cherry now. So a week later, the wheel fell off. So we used to make a fun. What happened there? It's super cherry. It was super cherry and it fell off. You know, but uh, but it's it, it's an old term I heard a long time ago. But um, all I can say that uh, both horses this week they're they're super cherry. So hopefully they'll get a they'll get a. <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna single Gamine, and we'll right. probably use two in the Traver just today. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me. Well, that was uh, that was pretty cool. I I, uh, I don't know if you can tell when listening to that, but um, about an hour and so in, um, Bob's AirPods died, and so I found that as like, oh, this is great. I feel like I've used enough of his time. This will be an easy transition. Hey, Bob, don't worry about it. I'll just wrap it up here. And uh, Bob wanted to keep rolling. He wanted to keep rolling, and and we went another hour or so. I mean pretty cool. So uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Bob, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm looking forward to this weekend, looking forward to seeing Gamine run again. Obviously uh, we'll be rooting uh, hardest for our friends at uh, Black Type Thoroughbreds up in smoke uh, is planning on entering the race. Gamine will be four to five and up in smoke will be 25 to one. So if, uh, if up in smoke can get the job done with some pace to close into going seven furlongs, no big deal. Otherwise we'll be, uh, We'll be rooting for the big mare, Gamine, because uh, how much fun is she? Oh, we can't forget about Phoenician Harbor as well for our friend Dominic Savitas. So it's going to be a tricky race to watch. We'll be rooting for all of them. Uh, obviously looking forward to seeing Uncle Chuck and, and Tis the Law. I think those two horses obviously are the most likely winners of that race with Tis of the Law being the more likely with the resume he's got. But, wow, it's, uh, it's just something about when, when, when Bob puts one on the plane and sends him out here. Um, getting arrogant vibes from Uncle Chuck. Maybe it's a little early, but we'll see what happens with him. Um, what else? What else? What else? It's a busy week. You got a lot of handicapping to do, a lot of races to look at, so you should probably get to that. I want to thank uh, our CFO, Drew Coatney. Thank you, Drew. If you have any questions, holler at Drew. Uh, I want to thank Matty Ice, uh, the Matt Bernier Show, uh, Naomi, talk racing to me. Um, who else? Who else? Spencer? What the L? You know, I don't know. Redboard Rewind. And then that guy with the beard. What's his name? Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Anyways, make sure you subscribe. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the network. And uh, we'll see you uh, We'll see you on, on TV throughout the weekend. Enjoy Travers Week. Good luck. And we'll see you next week. I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche, there's five and a horse, I'm ready for war, I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost, I need to know everything.
Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in signs to let them in talk.